Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Welcome to Coco Talk episode 264, catching up on whatever we didn't get to last week. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. <laughs> okay, Stevie, it's supposed to do that. Yeah, that's how I got it set up. Hello, hello. Hello. What a lovely panel we have today. Somebody I think you're looking at the wrong screen. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'm not used to looking at this from the other side of the screen. Novel experience, huh? It is, it is. So let me go ahead and just hijack it away from you, Mark B, and I'll do the panel introductions here. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah. Go, uh, go Mark's ahead. under the weather anyway, so I'm All sure right, Mark's under the weather, eh? Yeah, I can All right, welcome talk. everybody to Coco's Talk, episode 264. In the live chat already, we've got Tom Eric Gunderson and Mark Siegel and a few other people out there, Jim Rye. And hello, everybody. Uh, around the world here, around the panel, top left-hand corner, our resident Apple guy, Mark Overholzer. Welcome back, Marco. Hey, I'm here. Glad to be here on the road. Rick Eulen's with us. Hey, Rick. Howdy, folks. He's Canadian, and he's a happy guy. Al Curtis Boyle, how's it going, eh? Welcome to the show, everyone. He's also Canadian. He's the host of our Game On segment, Ken Waters, a.k.a. Canadian Retro Things. How are you doing, eh? I'm doing good. Maker of many things with toggle switches, Jason, the Coco Man Rikers, with us. You know, Stevie, the last time I tried to look from the other side of the screen, all I saw was a model number and a bunch of connections. <laughs> and he just took a drink, so we might as well say, we facts, yeah. Ron Delvaux is here. <laughs> How y'all doing? Today's show will be limited because of inflation. That's yeah. right, because of inflation. All right, the coordinator of Coco Fest and the... Liver streamer guy, Grant Leedy is here. How you doing, Grant? Hey, guys. He's under the weather, but he's still streaming the show today. Mark Bosley's here. Hi. Uh, Alan Murphy's here, Exile in Paradise. How you doing, Alan? Doing all right. Howdy, howdy, everyone. Not bad, not bad. The Thunder from Down Under, Nicholas Morantes. G'day, Nick. G'day, everyone. G'day, g'day. And I am the guest 
today. Stevie Stroh, good to be here. Good night, everybody. All right. So- <laughs> that was a good show. <laughs> a great show. Yes. Oh, my. So <laughs> come on the show. We like to do this uh, sort of this is your life kind this of thing. This is my life. Okay. <laughs> Hi, my name is Steve, and I had a an abused life. I've had to share hotel rooms with Grant Leedy on yeah. multiple events. It's actually and... back. It's actually the <laughs> other way around there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. I thought you were going to say, you know, my name is CBS, and I have a Coco problem. I have a problem. Yes. <laughs> All right. Good show, guys. Um, speaking of good, good shows, last week's show, I finally caught up listening to Todd Wallace game review thing. I really enjoyed that. Sorry I missed it, but great job, Curtis, keeping things moving. I tried. Uh, I was getting a little concerned with a particular guest of possibly going a little over the board, and Curtis was a great cat herder and uh, guest wrangler and kept it moving. So that well, was If it only job. worked on you, that'd be awesome. <laughs> And of course, uh, I missed the uh, wrap-up show too, the Coco Fest Hangover show. That was I, I enjoyed listening to it. I, we had some family things we had to take care of. It came up suddenly, but I was actually listening live in the car, even, and it was uh, it was a great show. So, uh, great way to do that event proud. So, good job, guys. Yeah, it was a good event. I mean, and yeah. we'll we'll touch on that a little bit here with uh, updates and acquisitions because you haven't been on to tell us all, all of your stuff. So, and by the way, um, management has approved a across the board ten percent pay increase to all of you. Woo-hoo. Awesome! That offset the gas prices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why am I getting a division by zero error? A uh, division by <laughs> zero error. Yes. Yeah, so um, so do you want me to kick off my updates and acquisitions since I haven't been on in a while? Yeah, and, and it'll also kind of catch you up on the Cocoa Fest wrap-up thing, too, because you weren't, you know, here for that either. So what was your th- thoughts on Cocoa Fest? What did you acquire? How did you view the show compared to others? Uh, well, I think I, I'm not going to say anything that you guys didn't already say, but I've probably been to the past five or six Cocoa Fests, and this was probably one of the most enjoyable ones. It was just a lot of fun. And like all of like all fests, it's exhausting because there's just a million things going on, especially when you're not just a a visitor, but you're also kind of wearing more than one hat. But um, it was exhaustingly exhilarating. How how could you have fun if you weren't stuck in an elevator? (laughs) I don't get it. Uh, We came close. Apparently, there was an elevator problem. There was an elevator problem. Fire department still had to come out, so we're we're carrying uh, tradition somehow. We're still Uh, torching something. Yes. So yeah. So it was it was definitely one of the better events over past years, especially since well, last year's event didn't suck. It wasn't like it was a bad event, but it was a limited event, right? We didn't have the yeah. Canadians. There were people who did not want to come because of mask mandates and whatnot. Uh, and and even taking all that into consideration, we still had about 80 people who were there. So under the circumstances, to have that many people there was still a success, but it, it wasn't the same. So it wasn't your usual, you know, super fun 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 coco fest it was a it was a good coco fest it wasn't an awesome coco fest and it was nobody's fault right it was just life life on our planet as it were it was more like a rehearsal <laughs> it was yeah it was definitely a dress rehearsal for the new venue getting used to the venue and the rooms um it wasn't I, 
We did, was, we actually did some really innovative things with the live streaming, um, but we had better rooms to do it in, right? So we had multiple cameras. Randy Weaver had all these multiple cameras that were Android devices on Zoom. So we had like picture in picture on the auction. So we had some 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 cool technical innovations. We had a couple of technical challenges because we were running, almost everybody was virtual. So we were running those people through the PA and then we were getting sound loops. And so there were unique challenges, but um, this year I wasn't, I didn't know I was going to make it. And I basically said, even if I make it, I am not going to be the stream bitch and I'm not going to be going through all this crap. <laughs> so you're going to get what you get. So for everybody who's like, well, the sound wasn't so good. And the picture wasn't so good. I can say, kiss my cottage cheese ass. You got what you got and shut the F up because that's as good as you're going to get it. I don't want to hear it. We did it. And it was, it was. And Curtis, Stop apologizing for your guitar playing. You're awesome. You rock. You're too goddamn Canadian. Stop saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about my guitar. I'm tired of hearing you complaining about your shitty guitar playing. You were awesome, Curtis. So well, it wasn't so much the crappy guitar <laughs> playing for me. It was the fact that I didn't have any time to actually like try to relearn a song all the way through. So It, it doesn't matter. Unprepared. You were good. You were good. You stop apologizing. I don't know if you were hearing the same thing I was hearing. Sure <laughs> <laughs> Greg. I think it's from all the feedback. Yeah. to the copy strikes from uh, YouTube. It must have oh, been. Yeah, that, that was a badge of honor. I do have to say, I have to agree on that one. Absolutely. <laughs> it also um, means that YouTube's algorithm is getting really uh, crappy. Than a badge of honor with a U. <laughs> now, but when you say badge of honor, does honor have a U in it? Uh, honor. Yes, yeah, of course a badge it does. Of, a badge of honor. Yes. We know how to spell up here in Canada. So. <laughs> I'm still like stuck on the. I'm stuck on the cottage cheese butt still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bad place to be, Ron. Get it out of your head. Uh, that's it. <laughs> something else. Anything else? Diplomacy 101 from Stevie Stroh while he paints a picture. Like, while he paints a picture, no one wants to see. <laughs> no. <laughs> Singing the songs no one wants to hear. Uh, I have to say, like, it, this, like you said, it was, it was, it was nice having everybody back together instead of the limited edition you guys had last year. Yeah. And it also was, you know, free of a lot of like some of the controversies and stuff that have been happening the last few years. It was all gone. Like it, everything seemed to be, everybody was on good terms with each other. Everybody was talking to each other. It was just fun. It was the most fun one I've, I think I've been to since, you know, the first one since I started coming back or the ones back in the 90s. Right. And having our surprise guests, Taylor and Amy, was definitely a treat having them there. They were they really brought a whole new life and yeah. energy to the event, too. They're just some pistols. They're firecrackers, you know. So um, having those gals there was was a hoot. Yeah, um, they're, they're impromptu song that, you know, none of us knew was coming type thing. Like, you know, until they just mentioned we got an MP3 you're going to have to play. Right. Right. <laughs> Yep. I think the I think the quote of the show was now for some something terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, seeing everybody who, especially seeing people who I hadn't met before. Um, I, I met Daddy Burrito last year. We met met uh, Daddy Burrito again this year. Got a bumper from him. He's like, hey, I, you know, I get tired of asking for things. Sometimes we say, yeah, if you want to do a bumper, send us a bumper, and you know crickets and then he's like dude i want to record a bumper i'm like oh that's awesome let's go do it we went in another room i put him on the phone and just boom so we got a, a bumper from him for me the highlight though was um was a couple things because i remember talking to taylor and amy about the 3d printed case for the cocoa pie i'm like this is what it is it's pretty cool but you know it does make it a little bulky and they're like oh yeah it's kind of bulky it adds all this room and they're like but wait 
we can put a battery in there. <laughs> and so they got the they got the John Strong case and got the battery and made their Cocoa Pie completely rechargeable and wireless because uh, they already had the wireless display. So that was kind of cool seeing that. And on the same note, Cocoa Pie, this was like at the end of the event, but it was, um, oh my goodness, I can't remember his, his Discord handle, but he's on our Discord and his son, Charlie, um, had made his own Cocoa Pie. And Charlie looks like he's like eight years old, or maybe he's 10, I don't know, but he's a, he's a wee spry little sprout lad. And he had made this Cocoa Pie in like a clear acrylic case that had a rechargeable screen, seven inch screen, that had the Cocoa Pie in this a clear acrylic wedge it was all running on battery it was wireless he had a wireless keyboard and mouse and he had built this whole system and set up the cocoa pie just based on the half a dozen videos i put on the site on you know how to get started and an eight-year-old kid set up the cocoa pie and he wanted to meet ron klein and i and get his pictures taken with us so we got those pictures taken and to me that was the highlight was to meet charlie and um, yeah, I've got that picture queued up for the newsletter, so we'll kind of get yeah, back into so it. So that was really cool. That was for me, that was like the cherry on top, you know. So, yeah, and Cocoa Pie is awesome. And what Mikey's doing with Pie Drive Wire is awesome. I just, um, and, and another thing too, like I'm, I go, I, when I go through my updates and acquisitions, I got to spend some time talking to Brendan Donahue about what he's doing with Cocoa BJ and how, and how he's doing things in basic and, you know, some ideas I have and you know, to finish some other projects and some new projects. And um, yeah, I got those thingies too. So yeah, I got my, um, got my cocoa kind of cleanly cocoa VGA because I just had the little 3D printed box because I didn't want to do any of the mounting myself. And I was holding off for some custom buttons. So he actually did all the clean mount and the clean solder. And then I got some front mounted buttons underneath the keyboard lip thing there so I can press the buttons to change artifact modes, turn off the borders and all those things. So I don't have to reach all the way to the back of the Cocoa in order to do that. So I got a custom Cocoa VGA uh, configuration, which is pretty cool. And um, yeah, lots, lots of cool stuff. The jam was a hell of a lot of fun, musical jam, all the food, different places. And, and here's this, like I was given Grant and, and Jim brain crap for, for all the food we could have had, you know, here are food choices. We can have like real food, like chicken. We can have like, you know, real food, like fish and real food, like, you know, steak or meat. Oh, no, let's have meatloaf. I'm like, really? Come on. What the heck? Meatloaf isn't a food, right? I'm not paying like, you know, <laughs> I'm not good, paying though. like 20 bucks for a fancy meal to get freaking meatloaf, right? Well, I tried that meatloaf. It was badass, man. It was like, it was like gourmet freaking meatloaf. It was like barbecue-y and had like some the little French fried onions on top and crap. And it was like, holy crap, this meatloaf is off the chain, man. So I want to give props to the meatloaf too. The mystery meat turned out to be a winner for me. So <laughs> I totally agree. Good times. And the $1,500 worth of coffee. Oh my God. It was worth every dollar. Yeah, exactly. Every dollar. <laughs> I know many- I had a disproportionate <laughs> amount of that, but it was worth it. I swear to God, it it, it tasted like $3,000 worth of coffee. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the only person that complained about the coffee is Mike Furman, who's in the chat there, but he's a Starbucks guy. So apparently he's rich. He, he oh, buys coffee yeah. at gas prices. So, right, right. Cup of coffee. I, don't even like coffee, so. right. <laughs> I had cocoa, though. And, but what so the to get back to the streaming part of things, right? So last year we had a different room for the exhibition room, and that room 
was better logistically. It lent itself to having the PA system and the laptop on the same table, which allowed us to kind of interconnect things to get cleaner board mixes audio from the PA stuff, yeah. system. We didn't have that this year. So all the audio basically came from a webcam microphone. So yeah, it wasn't as good. It wasn't as clear. The audio was real muddy, but it was what it was. Um, but to that end, I did have a conversation with President Jim Brain, and he actually wants to invest money into buying a proper setup with all the accoutrements and all the bells and whistles we need to have a dedicated Glenside streaming station um, that's set up where I don't have to bring things and the club will own it and we'll be there. And he's going to just give me the list of what I need to buy and let's buy it. And so I'm going to be working on that this weekend. And we're going to do a test run on that at uh, VCF Midwest. So we'll have all the equipment there. We'll get it all set up and we'll do some test streaming from that event um, on the new equipment. And the idea is, is that it's always going to be there. Like if I, you know, yeah, when like I, if we have to switch venues or you're taking yeah, it to different yeah. shows, like it's going to, it's going to belong to the club. It'll be a decent laptop. We'll get some capture devices where we can run the laptop through the capture device. So it's not like a blurry webcam picture of a projected screen and we'll get better audio inputs for the mic feeds and it'll be a proper thing. He even wants to get a stream deck where we can just press buttons because he goes, he goes, I don't want you to do it. I just want you to set up where I got a couple different buttons. You can press a button to switch the scene, to change the tag and who it is, and then have another button where somebody else can just press one button and start the stream. So he's like, I don't want you to do nothing but set it up and then walk away. And then it'll be a one button thing for any idiot, any monkey trained or not can actually start and stop the uh, broadcast. So that was really, I thought, um, a nice forward thinking thing on his part. And it shows to me that the club is interested in making an investment to do it well and to preserve these historically at the best possible fidelity, you know. So setting up and walking away for some reason gives me the uh, imagery of that Batman movie when Jericho walks <laughs> away from the hospital. Oh, yeah, and the big explosion <laughs> behind him. <laughs> <laughs> Who's bringing the monkey? Yeah, well, listen, the David Ladd's usually there, so. <laughs> hey, hey now, wait just a darn minute. Uh, oh. So, David Ladd, that means you're volunteering to, uh, to, to handle the stream deck next year? Um, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm having, you're breaking up. I can't hear you. <laughs> mayday, mayday. <laughs> yeah, with that, that breaking up there, I heard a yes. I distinctly heard a yes. We're there, experiencing so sunspots. Does this stream deck have a Diet Dr. Pepper dispenser? Yeah, we can put a little picture of it on the button. Well, well, it also depends on which stream deck you go with. There's the six button one. There's the, what is it, 13, 15 button one. And then there's the 32 one. Is that right? Right. Mm -hmm. I, I think all we need to do is we have to get a several two liter bottles of Diet Dr. Pepper and a nice big jug of water and just give it to David. Just, and just like hanging on a string, like you know, you have the carrot on the string in front of the <laughs> donkey to get in the move. Diet Dr. Him. Pepper on hanging from the string. string. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a saddle and a saddle to put on him. <laughs> That's what you what you didn't say Saturday night, Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> I was too busy getting my back broken by you. So, yeah, but it was a good fest. And I'm, I'm glad we got to hear your your perspective on it too, Stevie. Because uh, it was you, fun. you were like you said, you were last minute. I mean, when did you finally decide you were actually going? 
um, the week of, which I told Grant, I go, dude, I go, you know, I'm 90% sure I'm not going to make it. So, you know, I have my meal ticket, my tables paid for. So feel free to give them to somebody, but don't give them until Thursday. Cause I'm not going to know if I'm going to be leaving until Thursday, <laughs> you know? So, um, and I can, I think Wednesday night, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to come is when I texted him and told him. So. And I drove. Oh my God, that drive! Well, I'm, I'm listening to you and Ken's drive. Yeah, what a wimp, uh, yeah. eh, Ken? Yeah, I mean, I wine, wine, wine. You want some I cheese only for that? drove. I only drove twelve hundred miles. I have no idea how many kilometers that is, and I don't care because I'm in America. But um... <laughs> always the diplomat. <laughs> well, Ken actually Stevie's on his in America too. Report how much miles he put on, which is more than I know. I that's did, insane. So. Well, at least you don't navigate like they do. It's like okay, well. Pennsylvania's on the way to Saskatoon, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention West Virginia. So, West Virginia. Oh, yeah, that was just, that was just down the block at that point. Yeah. Oh, we we're taking the scenic route. Yeah. Oh, look, more hills. <laughs> oh, one of my acquisitions I see is behind Grant Leedy too. What? That poster on the oh, wall yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I acquired one of the event posters. I will not say by which means, if they were legitimate means or approved channels, but I did acquire one of the posters before they were <laughs> locking down the events. And I was like, oh, this is a really nice poster. It's still on the wall. Let me put this in my trunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's but it's what a, happened to it. It's a really nice poster. It's got It's got all the logos from the 30 years all around the border, and it's nice and shiny and stuff. I could hold it up. A little closer, uh, if you want to spotlight it for a second, there, Mister uh, Bosley. Oh, that's, but, that's why um, you liked it. It was shiny. It was shiny, and so, yeah. keeping it safe. So yeah, you, it's really shiny, and it's got all the from 1992. You could see all the different logos throughout the years. Um, so I thought this was really cool. This was neat. They probably spent a couple dollars getting this thing made too, and I'm like, this would look really good on my wall at some point in time. So uh, thanks, guys, for making this. I really enjoy it. And, um, yeah, they're cool. It's really, really shiny. It's very cool. And since you already have me spotlit, I'll just, I guess I can show you some of the other things I got while I was there. But I did get another Dungeons of Daggerath cartridge. And the classic. With, with, with the book. With the book. Um, I got one of these little cool buttons, too. Yep. I don't know if uh, the cameras and the glare in the camera is going to show it too well. Try holding your hand behind it. Sometimes that forces the camera to work better. Um, I guess it's more just there. But it, it yeah, Coco Fest 2022, right? That's good. Beautiful. Yeah. So, and I just dropped it on the floor. Um, Perfect. Oh, I like how they were going to potentially give my stuff to Randy Kindig. So he would have been one of the potential <laughs> guys to get my table. But I do have, uh, oh, I, I still have my receipt for my dinner ticket. Um, Grant, is it possible I can get a refund since I still have my receipt? Yeah, yeah. Just get a hold of Eric Canales there. He'll get you that taken care of. Um, so I got that. I kept on a few. I, I like that poster. I, put, I want to get that nice. But so yeah, I got the new things from from Brendan on the update for the Coco VGA. So including the new commands to basic, which I'm really um, looking forward to playing with, which is going to really change how I have to do my Kabam game a lot. But I was going to rewrite it anyways because it it started getting too slow. Sorry, fellas, in a rewrite. Now, another thing I mentioned that meeting Charlie was was one of the highlights, but having a an autographed floppy disk from David Ladd. Um, wow! <laughs> let's start the bidding oh, at nine thousand dollars. 
$9,000 will start the bidding. Autograph floppy from David Ladd. Do I hear $9,000? <laughs> Going once. Going to Are you Jason, sure you, you can afford to give us $9,000 for it, Stevie? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I got this from John Strong. He gave me one of his games that he had on floppy. So I'll have to check that out. I don't know what copycat is, but it's one of the John Strong games. They shouldn't this was the manual that came with the Dungeons of Daggerath. It's very the, the cartridge is in really good shape, so I like that. So I do have the, I do have the um, Rick U Coco Three membrane replacement thing, which you could tell I have gotten right to work on installing in my Coco Three. <laughs> it's um, only eighteen screws, man. Yeah, listen, dude. And then this I, I don't know what you're talking about, Steve, about this not getting it done type thing here. <laughs> <laughs> now, this wasn't from the fest, but this was on my way home from the fest. So my birthday was right behind uh, Ron Delvaux's. Yep. My birthday is May 24th. But when I went, I, I spent the night at my parents' house on the first of my two-day trip home. And for my birthday, they found for me, this is an old Star Wars book from like a public library. One of the first Ooh. prints from like 1977-ish. Did they want so back? No, no, then yeah, this library, yeah, yeah. I, I have a feeling the overdue on this is going to be insane, um, but it's got some cool pictures inside and things like that. So that was kind of cool to get a kind of period correct '70s printing of of Star Wars um, with some cool. I have that in paperback, including the color color insert photos in it. Well, yeah. paperback and, and litho, yeah, that was yeah. A, that was a pricey book. And then it? behind me here is is it's hard to see, but that's my Coco VGA setup now with the VGA screen and the speaker. And I got two of Rick Ulin's fancy deluxe joysticks, new old stock. So I do have my Coco VGA set up. I do plan on, you can unspotlight me now. I'm tired of seeing my big fat head. Um, but yeah, um, I do plan on doing some more work on my Coco VGA. I did play the game of the week this week and I have a version that didn't save high scores and I was getting really pissed off and ended up rage quitting the time I tried to play it because I couldn't go back and see my scores. But um, yeah. How do I stop spotlighting myself now? Did you unspotlight me? Yeah, I already did. Okay. On my side, it was still spotlight. So those are my updates and acquisitions. Uh, but yeah, great fest. Uh, sorry I've been off the show for the past couple of weeks, but you guys, you guys are doing a hell of a job. And oh, actually, we've, quite, we've actually enjoyed you not having you on the show. This oh, well, the feeling's been completely mutual, Grant. So. <laughs> <laughs> so to summarize, we have... Uh, cherry on top with a brick of um, <laughs> the uh, meat you liked at the show and then on top of the uh, um, cheesy butt. <laughs> okay. 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 Wow. <laughs> I think Rick summed that up pretty good there. <laughs> we fix. Oh, we fix. We fix. And whatever Mikey toilet. Furman's doing with the networking on the Coco IO, I applaud his tenacity for doing that. He's a I think machine. That'll be part of Rick's uh, updates too. Plus, Mike, it's a news Mikey item, so. Furman is a machine. And exactly. uh, you never told us why you had purple on. Uh, because I just everything was spontaneous. So I figured if I'm going to show up spontaneously, I'll do a spontaneous color at the same time. Well, purple definitely is not your color. You should, try hot, you should try hot pink next time. Oh, well, definitely. I'll take that. I'll, can I borrow one of yours, Greg? No, no, sorry. I only do, I only do blue. <laughs> I, I listened to the whole explanation, and I can condense it really quick because everybody kept asking Stevie, and it comes down to because he wanted to. <laughs> that was what I got out of it. I'm like, like okay. Well, since we're doing <clears throat> project updates and acquisitions and Jason's kind of spotlighted there, 
Did you want to talk about your uh, new entry on your website? Oh, um, I I may have talked about this before, but I can talk about it again. Uh, the uh, the new thing I had at Cocoa Fest is called the the Dingo High Res. It's just a high res. I don't have one with me. I'm driving, but uh, it's a high resolution joystick adapter, kind of a reproduction of the Tandy one, but it also has it's an enhanced version. It has um, it has uh, a bypass switch, so you can switch between you know high resolution and and just your standard resolution. There's no joystick port switching or cassette switching or anything like that. It's just very basic. It's just a for people who don't need a whole switching system, and that is, I have a few left over from Coco Fest, and when those ones sell out, I'll go ahead and build some more because what what I've kind of made a change at CocoMan.biz. I'm not really doing much of the on-demand builds anymore, except the exception is going to be the Switcheroo for right now. Everything else, I'm kind of switching to the Ed Snyder style model where I build some, I put them up on the website for sale, and then. You can put in a request for a stock request if you want, and that's fine that way I know. But then it'll have to wait until I build the next run, and that's just a – I think that's going to work better for me. But, um, you know, when I, when I sell out of the dingoes, then I'll, uh, I'll, make, I'll make more. So just be doing batches then of each product as, as you get a certain amount? Orders? Um, it'll be a certain amount. I'm not going to take any money. I'm not going to take any orders. It'll just show out of stock on the website. And there is there is a place that you can click if you want a stock notify request. And when I get some built up, then I can send you I can send you an email saying yeah, these are available now. And that's that was kind of a that's kind of a I kind of started that right around Cocoa Fest time, and uh, I, I think that'll work out easier. The, the switcheroo will still be an on demand item for now. Uh, that's all going to depend on supply chain at this point. So. Uh, yeah. And uh, there, there may be a change coming to that product because of supply chain, but we'll, we'll see. Right now, everything's uh, still the same, but that's going to be uh, that, that'll still be an on-demand item. That way, I'm I'm not under the pressure of oh, okay, you paid me now, you're waiting for me to build your thing. I'm just going to go build them at my leisure, and that way, it's more. You know, it's supposed to be a hobby. It's supposed to be fun, and uh, I'm trying to keep it that way and not turn it into a second job. Understandable. Yeah, but uh, that. But that's it. The Dingo High Res, I still have a couple available uh, that are left over from the run for Cocoa Fest. And then after those are sold, I'll, I, I think there's a couple parts I have to order to, I think at least the cases for sure. And I'll build some more up, but uh, I, th- I think that'll work better. And, uh, but if someone doesn't want to go with the whole Joey High Res, like that's something else, I, you know, I, I, so if it shows out of stock on my, my website, I don't have them. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll eventually make another run and I think that'll work out better for me. And, Hopefully everybody else. So that way you, you're not you're not really waiting. Maybe except for a switcheroo, which really is only about a week, if that. Just depends on when I get to it. But that's uh, that's uh, that's really all I have right now. Uh, but uh, CocoMan.biz, you can look and see what I have in stock. If not, if you, any questions, you know, you can go right to that website. There's a link. You can even send me a message. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Jason. I did and, see a uh, motorcycle gang behind you, Jason. So be on the lookout. <laughs> oh, there was a cop that went behind him right before yeah. that. So I think yeah. He's yeah, we were all watching that and not listening to him. Start over. So I know Rick Euland, you got some updates and stuff too. Does anybody else in the panel? I didn't really get a chance to ask anybody else before the show started. Have any updates or acquisitions they want to talk about? Well, just go to Ron's garage and you, you see mine. That's it. 
Hey, Curtis. Yep. Hey, Curtis. So um, I should have some built boomerang boards, uh, both the 2 meg and the 512, uh, probably next week. So I've been telling people that, uh, posting on, I should post on Facebook too. But anyway, but I should have something I can send out to people if they're interested. I have three or four people that are interested, so. Okay. Is your website set up for that yet? Or? Um, yeah, I have a store, but it's not populated yet. I've been on vacation and sleeping a lot. Wow. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I will get that set up. So I mean, that is really nice to do. So anyway. Okay, cool. That's a good update to hear. Anybody else before we go to Rick? Go to Rick. Oh, no, not me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like all the other vendors, I've been building crap all week, and I've only got like three items left out of all the stuff I built. So Togofest was a great time for me. Um, I did get a little bit of hardware. Let's see. Um this wasn't strictly at the fest, but shortly thereafter, I have an Athena board and a pepper, so I can build we a... can't... Uh, oh, there we go. I sh it should be, if I'm highlighted, I should be there. So I should be able to build a, as close as practical, a new Coco, because, you know, it has a gimmick socket. Got my what? kipper board. <laughs> I already had a case and power supply and so forth, so uh, this may one day be a new Coco 3. It's... That's Pedro Pena's uh, board. Yeah, see the pepper and the... The pepper and the cocoa three motherboard that that he's made. Oh, that's the that's the official name for now. The Athena board. It is an Athena version one one zero. Is this one which does everything oh. right? Okay, it's, it's red. It's very uh, yeah. Like I say, I'm hoping I'm hoping to. It's fun playing with old computers, but if you want to also work on an old computer, you need a new computer. That's the old computer. So this is my solution, and I'm going to try to build this thing. Well, plus, I mean, Coco 3s on eBay are getting insanely expensive. Like we've been watching a few lately, like, you know, basic 128K models, not even tested $300 starting price, that thing. So, right. This might be the practical way to have Cocos in the future is just build hey, yeah. uh, I don't see any, it um, uh, doesn't look like there is any context for the cartridge port. No, the, the connector isn't there. There's This is just the bare board. It's uh, somewhat some assembly required at this point. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, with some thanks from Curtis, uh, we now have hotkeys in our OS9 menus. So these little, uh, like the C and carrots, if you hit an Alt-C with the menus visible or not, it'll clear the page. Same with reload, everything else. So this is a big deal because... If you know the interface, you don't necessarily want to grab the mouse and maneuver it around. And so hotkeys are going to be huge. Nice. So thank yep. you. And these, these will be included with uh, EOU version 1.0.0, the first out of beta release, which is the next one coming up. Not sure when that's happening yet. There's some other stuff I'm still working on. But when, you, when you're done apologizing for your guitar playing, maybe? Nah. <laughs> well, that would take too long. Uh, that'd be like years from now. Look at that web page. So these shortcuts are like not having to reach around the back of your computer. Exactly. So you don't have to. You don't have to reach around. You don't yeah. have to grab for your mouse. None of that stuff. We're getting back to after dark again, guys. Slow down. <laughs> How warm do the actual keys get? I, I, do, I do want to thank Rick here too because Rick actually. You know, first of all, he went to our, the, our seminar that Ken and I put on and, and is, was trying some of these newer techniques. And then he found out that once you do a certain you know, on-mouse call, which you know basically puts the basic program to sleep until you click the mouse button to select something, that there was no way to get out of it with the keyboard. It would just sit there forever until you click the mouse button. You had to have the mouse. 
which I'd never really thought of even trying testing. So uh, he's, he's sent the bug report and then uh, we've been going back and forth with uh, the fix, which seems to be working good. So that'll be included with the OU. So not only does it no longer look like, uh, let's see, I'm on this key. It doesn't look like this anymore, <laughs> but the uh, the mouse menus actually work properly. So thank you, sir. And uh, I look forward to seeing what else we can, uh, how I, otherwise I can break it. I'm sure I can find it. <laughs> yeah. So I'll if it gets delayed more, blame Rick because he's finding more bugs. Right, right. Yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to stop it with my bug finding abilities. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait until I get back into testing. <laughs> actually, Mike. Mikey found a bug in the DCC compiler. <laughs> Deke's already fixed it. Sweet. I like them red balls going up and down back there. <laughs> oh, right. right. It's, my, it's my inspirational. Um, I got a, I got a rest for a minute and think about this light. Oh, you stare it's at your, it. Your moment of zen. Exactly. Well, you know, if you're working on my code, you need a few moments of zen. <laughs> That's the next software you have to do, Rick, is a lava lamp simulator. Ooh, Why isn't yeah. there a fellow that does uh, dragon videos that has a lava lamp? Yep. Yeah, there is. He's got that really cool-looking TV, too. Yeah, exactly. My random number generator. <laughs> we all have a want list, don't we? Yeah. So that's all the updates you had, Rick? Yeah, that's, that's about it for this week. Uh, it's been a Still recovering from the fest. Like I say, I built stuff all week and sold most of it. So I've got to do it all again. So I reordered everything. It was all approved. So I have parts and I will be getting boards. I'm happy. So was Cocoa Fest free for you? <laughs> In the <laughs> end, it was. I, oh, I that's sold good. So did it paid for itself. So that's good. Yeah, yeah that's it paid for itself. That was, that was a win. Oh, you know what? There was... There was something else in my acquisitions I forgot to show you, but I just thought about it. It's um, so I bought a couple of the RAM badges from Cloud Nine, the the two meg badges, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a guy on the Cocoa Pie group who has some badges that say uh, TRS eighty eight eight megabyte Cocoa Pie. So he made like a custom badge, and it's got kind of the bubble top. It's not the flat metal plate. It's kind of the clear bubble one, like the old Cocoa One was. So I'm ordering a couple of those too, the Cocoa Pie badges. Um, yeah, but it, it says 8,000M. Something like that. Whatever that means. Uh, yeah, 8,000M, 8, uh, 8, 8, 8,000 megs. <laughs> yeah, so 8,000. 8, 8, oh, yeah, that's weird, right? It's a little okay. strange. Well, okay. it's 8 gig. It's, yeah, the pie would be 8 gig. That's true. The, the pie itself actually has like 8 gigs of RAM, so <laughs> technically it's not wrong, right? <laughs> But yeah, I probably meant to say, you know, eight megabytes or 8,000K, but whatever. It's a cool looking badge. I like it. And I actually like the kind of clear bubbly type thing too on it. So cool. So that's it for project updates and acquisitions, I think. Going once, going twice. Sold. All righty. I think it's time for uh, the next segment then. Which I think involves a certain Canadian retro guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought she said we were going to have 20 hours of news. No, no, that was last week. You missed it, David. No. <laughs> All right, so let's do... I know it's early for commercial, but we still have to run uh, our first one. You are watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly video podcast. 
feature in a candy colored computer. We spread the love to the past, present, and future for all models, including the original colored computer, the Coco 3, and the world renowned exclusive French computer. The Radio Shack. Coco Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our program. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Boat and Aaron, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, Brian Walsh, Karen Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daddy Burrito, Daniel Williams, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant B., Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jay Style, Ken Reichert, Malfunct, Melly, Michael Pitsley, Mike Rayburn, OG Hugo, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Retro Tech Time, Rick Eulen, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Thayer, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom Heron, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athing. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Welcome everybody to this week's Coco Talk Game On Challenge results video. This week we played Devil Assault. There were a total of 24 players. We had Exile in Paradise with 12,500. Ed Rhodes, 15,800. Canadian Retro Things, 26,300. Sabhead, 28,000. Grant B, 28,600. Anne Arcana, 30,100. Marcy, 37,200. Mr. Dave, 6309, 37,300. Abub, 37,800. C. Duris, 39,200. David Craker, 44,500. David Ladd, 48,000. Buck Owens, 53,200. Paul Shoemaker, 54,300. Rich N, 59,600. Kathleen, 89,000. AC's 8 bit zone, 118,600. Tom C, 122,100. Jim Rye, 237,900. Tasman, 259,000. Henry, 318,000. 8 Bits in the Basement, 393,600. Taylor Duras, 1,020,890. And the number one score this week was... Our very own Sloopy Malibu with 1,373,700. Thanks, everybody. That played, and we will see you next week. <laughs>
this wasn't one of these Mark Bosley hacks where you like overclocked VCC and all that kind of crap, was it? No, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. And um, first off, uh, for this game, I do have to apologize because apparently there was this little file thing that you could read. It was a reprint of something they call instructions. Um, okay. Not sure what those are, but. Uh, if I had read them, I would have seen that starting on level zero is actually the practice mode. So the game never gets harder. So this game, actually, if you started on level one, had a um, lot more to it than what we saw playing it. Like uh, the uh, little guys would break apart into the two little ones. like The springs. And um, there was also a devil that would go across the top and drop uh, burning uh, vats of fire on you and so wow. actually the game has so, a lot more to it so if you get a chance to go back and play it again uh, start up on level one okay whoever's got the keyboard please mute yourself i'm hearing some loud typing there yeah one of, one of the things i noticed which i mentioned in the um in discord too is the version i had did not keep the static high score screens on um on the screen where you had that one in the top right-hand corner where it kept the high score. So mine, I was playing, and I'm like, all right, I'll go back, and I hit the button, and then I would lose my score. And that's why I got so mad, because I couldn't remember what my there, scores were. There was something to that. I think it only displayed the high score when you beat the previous high score, which was really stupid. And then if you played another game and didn't beat it, it was gone. Yeah, just I don't know. It was, it was uh, really, really weird. Kind of strange. And there's there's a few different versions available apparently, and I think one of them is a Coco Three patch. I'm, I'm I remember hearing you guys talking about how Sloopy had one running. Maybe that was a different game. There was that gray lady. You're talking about how Sloopy yeah, had the gray weird lady colors where it had the different yeah. palette. But there was also a Coco Three patch supposedly for for this. No, I didn't see that one. Because um, I think a few people. Because when I was complaining in Discord, I get a few people sending me links on different. Uh, archive versions that I could try to download, which I never got a chance to do. Mm. But yeah, my yeah, big the, thing the was, not keeping the score high score in the screen is actually, I, that's rather odd because Ken Kalchich was pretty good at yeah, designing yeah. games. And that's not like him to do that. But well, I do I know that was it, one of the it, last it, two games he did, I think in the States and he was kind of getting frustrated with not getting paid and stuff. So yeah, it did that to me too, where it was, wasn't keeping my high score. Sometimes it would keep it. Sometimes it wouldn't. I couldn't figure out exactly why. But uh, yeah, when you start the game, actually, if you, it's also not uh, clear in the instructions how to uh, get to the higher start on the actual games because starting on level zero, it never progresses to being any harder. It's just repeating the same stuff over and over. So, and I think but, level one uh, was the same way, wasn't it? It just added the steerable shot. Well, that's the thing is that if you hit zero or one, it starts you on level zero. One with a straight shot, one with a steerable shot. If you hit two or three, it starts you on level one with straight shot or steerable. And if you hit four or five, it starts you on the highest level, which is level five, with the steerable or straight shot. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, that's even not very clear in the instructions. Yeah, you so. need like a decoder ring on how to start the game, apparently. So. That was uh, actually this, Jim, uh, Jim Rye actually uh, figured yeah. that out for me, so... Read the fine manual. <laughs> yeah, for most of us, reading that whole one page of documentation is just too much. So. Yeah, Absolutely. it's way too much. But yeah, definitely um, go back and try it on level one or level five, and it's got a whole other dimension to the game. A lot more is going on, and uh, yeah, it's a little less boring. <laughs> 
Yeah, and Ken Kalish does incredible games with sound. And to me, Ken Kalish, the thing most notable about him is he has incredible sound he brings to his games. They've all, with the exception of Donkey, the the Donkey Kong one, which was Monkey Kong, yeah. Monkey Kong. But yeah, he's uh, a, like been a great sound engineer and producer with sound effects and everything. You know, in addition to quality games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this one had uh, even on the practice mode had decent sound. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. better on the uh, actual gameplay mode. So. Yeah, I'll try to be a little more careful in the future and actually set it to playing the gameplay mode rather than practice. So that's fine. Well, people played and they had, they had like over twenty-four different people playing, so obviously yeah. it was a popular game. Um, yeah, I was trying it on level zero. I, I, I the two or three times and my score was going up. I think the best score I got was around fourteen thousand before I rage quit. So I was getting better each time around, but I was like, man, what was my score? Because I want to take a picture and it's just, ah, <laughs> screw this game. <laughs> and I also do have to mention that uh, the second place player, Taylor Duris, which is the son of C. Duris, um, actually the game ended for him. He still had nine players left and whatnot, but the power went out. So, Oh, man, <laughs> that not talk about being robbed, huh? But that was the thing like Sloopy found too on the live stream is that as soon as you figure out the patterns on that, uh, um, on it, you just play that level zero over and over and over forever. Because also it's a very, uh, I guess, uh, generous with the free men. You get one every 10,000 points. So, yeah, and there's some of the the points you get for killing certain things is like five thousand or something. It's yeah, if high. you kill the if you kill the baby sproings, uh, which means you kill two of them, you got a free man. So yeah, I found the stupid Robo guys, the Robotron guys that were coming down here. Those those guys were insane. It was really hard to um, it was really hard to dodge them too. So you kind of had to clear a path because you there was no safe spot. Let me just jump off to the side here and maybe they'll miss me. Maybe they'll go down. Away from you, no yeah, matter where you they were, they they honed you. in on you. Yeah, yeah. They, they they were evil. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, there was a review for this game in um, uh, Rainbow. I can find it here. Okay, where did my review go? It's disappeared. Okay, well, instead, I'll show the high score. So this one had a high score in Rainbow of 69,300. I'm assuming that person didn't play the uh, practice mode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here's the review. Um, For Devil Assault, this uh, reviewer really liked it. Said there is a lot going on. And uh, he was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't another Space Invaders Galaxy Attack type game. It was in the same vain is that but uh it had a lot of interesting unique items to it which yeah you got to play the uh higher levels to find all those unique things so one one thing i wanted to ask all you guys that played because i didn't i just didn't have time this week and i have played it before is obviously it's loosely based on demon attack now we have an official demon attack that tandy released so for since we've actually played demon attack previously on the game on challenge what is all of your opinions of the two games versus each other, like is there a favorite? Is there you know something unique to each that propels it above the other, or what? Well, with this one, really only the first screen is the same as Demon Attack, right? 
and as I said in the practice mode, they the uh, demons don't break apart into two smaller ones like they, but they do on the later levels. So, and actually, if you get up to the higher levels, if you start on level five, then you've got a little devil going across during the uh, demon attack screen, and he's dropping fire on you. So, that's a fire. I think they both stand out in their own way. And when we say something is a clone of demon attack, you have to realize that demon attack is a clone of Phoenix. And so it's a clone of a, it's a clone of a derivative. Right. So, um, but I think they both stand on their own ways. Uh, Alan Murphy saying he likes, um, he likes demon attack because of the boss, the big boss ship. Um, I guess this fire dropping devil thing is the, is the, equivalent of a boss for well a better he's thing. just kind of there on the first oh, okay. screen if you start on level five he just keeps continually going across the top and dropping these vats of fire if you miss them then you've got a big lake of fire on the bottom so your screen is basically cut in half so that oh, okay. where you can go gotcha so you got to shoot them out of the air too so it's another so it sounds like it's not it's not a clone, or, you know, maybe the first level a little bit, but it's actually more of a like an expanded version in some way. Yeah. homage. It's an homage. It's what's what's the other word you came up with? The uh, reimagined. <laughs> reimagined. Reimagined uh, demon attack. Yeah, yeah, it's got a lot more to it. So the only I can say only the first level looks most like demon attack. Then you start getting into the robots coming down. That to me looks like Robotron. Those guys look like the Robotron guys. Yeah, see, I thought they were the Cybermen from Doctor Who. Yeah, and then the Sproings, the little bouncy guys, and yeah. Um, I, to me, what what stands out about it though is the sound effects because the Demon Attack game is really sparse on sound, where it does have a lot of levels and variety of what the ships look like, and it does have the big giant boss. It, the sound effects are really minimalist in uh, Demon Attack, even though it's an official iMagic uh, provided game. So here's some uh, gameplay from David Ladd. Mm-hmm. Now, David, what level were you playing this on? Is this uh, this was zero? You zero. Can, the, there's the zero up in the top corner. You can yeah. see that's the level oh, okay. you're currently playing on. So, unfortunately, it never progressed past. And this that looks part. like an old version of VCC with the hard colors. Yeah, the, 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 this is the Mame. Using the Coco Three RGB patch version. Oh, really? So, Coco Three's RGB patch colors are not well. They're they're definitely they're hard. They're, it's a hard blue yeah, and hard, hard red color. Yeah. Yeah. And I myself, after playing the two versions for recording purposes, I preferred this version. Okay. Yeah, there's the uh, Robotron dudes coming down, and they are ruthless. They are. They will come yeah. straight after you. After seeing the documentation that was posted last night, I wish I would have chosen the key press one because the then I could have steered the, yeah. steered the that, shots. That definitely makes a difference. Actually, I found the steerable shots gave the robots a little bit, made the robots a little bit harder because you would stand under them, shoot, and then get out of the way of their bullets and your bullet would move out of the way and miss the guy. You have to get used to that game console. Like Gorf, yeah. you had to get used to that. So I think it just depends on, you know. You have to you shoot like from the mechanic. side of them and steer your bullet into them rather than shoot under them and try to get out of the way. Yeah, I was yeah. using MAME with an 8-bit Doe Xbox um, compatible controller, but with the PlayStation uh, layout. So it looks like a PlayStation controller, but it's seen as an Xbox controller. 
You just so, had to make it too simple, didn't you, David? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> what, yeah, what kind of, just, what kind of got, floppy yeah, emulation did you use to load it? I just saw his score go up to 21,000 just by killing those little baby sprungs. Yeah, so those yeah. were definitely some point givers there. So you could earn yeah. some free men quickly. And you would have a you could get a maximum of nine free men at a time. So Okay. So it doesn't stockpile like once you max yeah, it. Yeah, that. No, once yeah, you, so, you max so out yeah, we're and, you're kind of looping through three screens. You got the demon attack yeah. looking screen, then you've got the dropping robots and the bouncing sprungs. Is what we what we were seeing. Yeah. It's done very well. Yeah. And like most of Ken's games it's only 16k so you can yeah. play it on just about anything. Hello, 8-Bits in a Basement out there in the live chat. Yeah, not a fan of the of the dropping robots. Those guys are evil. And they're even more evil on the harder levels. Oh, something <laughs> to look forward to. More rage there quitting. You go. <laughs> so I would guess if we played it, ever if we ever play this game again, we'll play it on the actual levels and the scores will not be nearly as high. This would be one worth revisiting at some point because... Yeah. No, you're playing in practice mode. Obviously, you don't get to see the whole game. And now we know. And knowing is half the battle. So I should put a little P beside beside it on the the game list so that we know we played this in practice. Is that next week's game? What's that? In actual mode? A redo of this? This is a practice round. (laughs) We'll, we'll, uh, We'll maybe revisit this in the future when I have it to, uh, pick a game really quickly and I haven't done so yet and it's Friday night because well, one thing I was thinking of, of possibly suggesting Ken and mm-hmm. you can take it or leave it is that maybe once a year or some special time of the year maybe Christmas or something like that we actually have a vote from people like for the previous two weeks of a game to revisit as a, a challenging or something. actually we did that last year um, where I picked the uh, most played games I think it was over Christmas last year I picked the most uh, the f- top five or six most played uh, games, and then we voted on which one we wanted to play again. And I think we ended up with uh, Downland. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that now. Another it doesn't even have to be game. for top five, though. You can just have a vote. Yeah. Like some people yeah. might, just because it was popular at the time, people might come and play it later if they watch the show You know, after the challenge was over and go, hey, this is a really good game. Yeah. We like to vote, so. Or no, we we did that for our hundredth episode. That's what it was. So any nice tips, tips and tricks from everybody? Sorry, go ahead, Grant. I was just going to say, it also might be nice to play some uh, adventure games too. Yeah, just to complete, you know, there's I've, no I've, high I've score. I've done a couple of adventure or tried a couple of adventure games in the past. They haven't gotten too much uh, play, but I think they're they're good to pair with another game. Like you do two games in one week. One's an adventure game. One's an action game. There's a lot of people that just say, no, I don't want to play an adventure game. Actually, you know what would be cool? Let's maybe do Todd Wallace's game, the Click Clickomania. I didn't see it, but I heard you guys talking about it, and it sounds like a pretty neat game. Um, it would be neat to, to, to try to showcase some of the games created by community members, you know, like yep. maybe some of the uh, uh, Paul Shoemaker card games and some Clickomania stuff and some of the other ones. Uh, might be cool to do something like that. Yeah, I'm planning on putting Clickomania actually up on the game's website this weekend. I just didn't have time last week, so. Especially if they're free, you know. All right. Plus, in his case, this is his very first Coco game he's ever programmed, so on a in machine language. Oh, 
that uh, that will be uh, put into the suggestion list. Now the suggestion mm-hmm. list is one long. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you some suggestions, man. Put you that in your yet. pipe and smoke it. Oh, was it was it while I was sleeping during the nit- nitrous nine talks? <laughs> well, they're all nitrous nine games, of course, but. Uh... <laughs> okay, well, and then uh, on Thursday night we played. Um, of course, on the uh, channel, we've played the game. And we had, I think, up to four people playing at once. And most of us actually just sat back and watched Sloopy play because, let's see. My internet, of course, is kind of crappy, but now which one's Sloopy here? On the high score. I think eventually we just. Oh yeah, there he's at eight hundred and twenty-two thousand. Wow. Did we highlight him when he was about to wrap a million? Oh, I think it looks like he already did. I guess I should have queued this up ahead of time. <laughs> Okay, there he's at 989,000. Or 984,000. So, yeah. Basically, he wraps it over to a million points and it just goes back to zero. Nothing special, no fanfare. Um, yeah, so that was what we did. And um, this is one of the games where it really didn't matter which artifact you showed yeah. up with. It's, yeah. The colors were not that important. We had we had a discussion about that at the beginning of the game, um, the beginning of the. Uh, oh, you can see up there, Jim is actually playing on level five. Okay. Actually, let's see if with the uh, straight shots and not the steerable shots. Yeah. So level five is one of the hardest difficulties levels. It is the hardest one. There's the devil going across. Okay, the there's top. the devil. Yeah. Oh, you know, he's yeah. I recognize that shape pot. too. That's the uh, mask from Danger Ranger, isn't it? Hmm. Another Ken Callish game. Then if you look oh, down, yeah, now you can see the wrap to a million. Right. And you can oh, see on uh, Jim, you can see at Jim rise that the, uh, the demon attack ships do split into two little, yeah. little birds. So there's, yeah, a lot more elements to the game if you're playing on the higher levels. And if you start on level one, it does progress each time you go through the three screens, it goes up to level two then level three up to level five, which is the hardest. Yeah. And well, as those are Mr. moving faster on this level. Holy crap! As Mr. Dave pointed out, the twenty-four players this week is good. That's a good, uh, yeah, good participation. I'd like to see uh, those twenty-four players also try it on the higher level because, uh, yeah, like I said, the game is infinitely better if you're actually playing the game mode. Yeah, it's getting practice. insane on uh, Jim Ryan up there in the top right-hand corner. That's yeah. just going absolutely insane. Yeah, this this would be definitely worth the revisit. I think to, to play it at a I agree. The proper level. All right, cool. Mark, are oh, you able great. to Mark Overholzer, are you able to see us better with the uh, goggles on, your head visor? Does that help you watch the show? <laughs> oh, tremendously. In, tremendously. in higher detail? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's part of my persona, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all want to see, Mark. We want to watch Stevie Stroh in high def. What is wrong <laughs> with you? Nobody <laughs> wants to see that, trust me. 
extra close. Unless, unless you like cottage cheese. believe me all right so what's the game of next week there mr waters i guess we can show that now you get one chance to guess what game this is color scripts it oh that's uh yes pitfall pitfall trapfall trapfall another ken callish game yep yep a pretty spot-on clone of of the tari 2600 uh, pitfall game much like his Monkey Kong. His Monkey Kong was actually an, an improved version of the 2600 version of Donkey Kong. Graphics looked a little better, but the gameplay was identical. I, I yep. think he could have and taken And only two it levels first. like the 26. Yeah, the same two levels. He could have taken that so much further because that's a game you could literally just play forever. Um, I did talk to Ken about that way, way back when I did my email interview with him. And one of the things he wanted to do that none of the other Donkey Kong clones on the Coco had done was run in 16K because that was one thing you always tried to do. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Trap Fall is good. Uh, definitely screams to be palette hacked if you have the ability to do that too. And the, the thing I like about the Coco VGA is even on a P mode three screen, the green background, you can hit a button and make a black border, which I know Nick Marenti's likes. He doesn't like saying border <laughs> colors, right? So um, even those games, you can get rid of the border on them, which is pretty cool. And Tom Eric Anderson points out that it was called Cuthbert in the Jungle for the Dragon because they yeah, had to fit the Cuthbert theme. Right. And I noticed on the archive there is a version 1.1, which I'm assuming is just a patched version. So I guess that's what we'll be using. Okay. I'll have to try that because there is a bug in the first version of Trapfall. I haven't tried the second one, but the, on the first one, if you go underground, mm-hmm. there's a certain jump sequence you can do where you actually jump into the ground further and then you can't get out. Like You, uh. you can run around, but you can't jump over like a scorpion because you can't jump high enough because you're three or four pixels lower than normal. And there's a certain way you can actually trigger that constantly. And I, you know, it was a bad bug. I don't know if the one for one fixes that or not. I have no idea. I did not know about that. So let's see how many people can find things broken in the game. David Land, <laughs> challenge accepted. Hey, hey, hey. You, you like breaking things, David. Yeah, we're, so. we're complimenting you there, David. That's a, that's a plus. <laughs> All right. Well, that's everything for the Game On Challenge this week. Cool. And I look forward to revisiting uh, Devil Assault, and uh, I will hopefully have time to play it the next time around, because I, I do want to try to play it in that game again. And I'll make sure, as, as a Canadian, I again have to apologize. I will make sure that I read the instructions and make sure I'm not starting us off in practice mode again. It's like Curtis's guitar playing. I'm just going to keep apologizing. Oh, exactly. Okay. That, that requires apologizing <laughs> constantly. Stop it. Atonement for sins is what I call that. Stop it. I don't know. I thought you played quite well. Yeah, David yeah you were drunk dancing. and died. Dr. Was, Pepper at the time. He was time, dancing so. on a table and pulling his shirt off. So, yeah, he was having a good time. <laughs> Whatever, Stevie. You kept thinking I was trolling you. <laughs> I know you were Maybe trolling Maybe next year we'll have the Refax triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> Ron said Refax. Take a drink. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Well, 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 we need a phone line simulator at Coco Fest, ne- Coco Fest next year so we can have some real modems hooked up. Now, if we get that, call me so I can be sure to hang up on you. Yeah. One, one thing we have to do at Coco Fest, we were talking about doing this year, this year, but I think just everybody was so excited to see each other again, especially us Canucks who hadn't been down in three years. So we kind of forgot about was to have a, a live game on challenge where people can come up and, you know, kind of head to head play you know, live during the, the weekend, too. 
maybe whatever the game on. Yeah. Yeah. I did have my Coco VGA there just for anybody to play anything on, but yeah, to maybe have uh, we did that one year where we had the, the whiteboard putting up the scores. What was Zaxxon was one of the games and things like that. Yeah. So. But that'd be maybe a good time to have one of those double headers where it's two games picked, but the people at home can play against the people at the show type thing. Like we can combine the two. I think that'd be kind of fun. Mm. Oh, there's network cards going here pretty soon. Yeah, I was going to say, just uh, get Greg Eulin to get, quit slacking off and finish that damn network <laughs> card already so we can... Uh... And then we have to patch P51 <laughs> and play it head-to-head. And Mikey's a slacker now. He's oh, okay. Like yeah, we just need Mikey to come up with the drive wire abstraction layer so we don't have to, so that everything can be agnostic to the network card, and boom. He's working on that. I know. Yeah. Drive wire, drive wire. <laughs> Coco IO, TCP, UDP, HTTP. MDMA one we are going to have a lot more acronyms to start talking about once we network enable our Cocos. Yeah, ICMP. <laughs> he said P. Don't, don't, don't forget PPP and slip. <laughs> oh, I just slipped on your PPP. <laughs> oh, it's only because it's that long. Oh, oh, oh man. <laughs> Are we ready for the news now? After dark. Ooh, I'm on the show one time and it goes straight in the toilet. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for uh, <laughs> yeah. a stomach purge at the moment. That's yeah, not what this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> All, right. All, right. All right. We're going into the news. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Curtis. Muppet News Flag. One, go. Take it away, Curtis. Okie dokie. Mikey Furman's favorite part of the show, snoozy newsy. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll do the game on news first here, so. So, first one up here, um, the Wargaming Scribe website, which actually goes through and reviews uh, war games, simulations, etc., from all the retro computers in the past. We've uh, actually covered this page once before when you did across the Rubicon. So, this particular one here for game number 62, he actually became a twofer. So, he does Kamikaze, which is another one by Arc Royal Games. Um, he's not that impressed with it. It doesn't hold well to modern times, uh, where Rubicon in some ways did. Uh, but he does his very thorough review, so he's giving you, you know, screenshots. Some of them are even animated, so you can kind of see how the game actually looks while you're playing type thing. Um, and, and he goes through a lot of the details of the history, you know, that the game is trying to emulate, et cetera, as well. Having a grid definitely legitimizes a strategy game. Yeah. Then you can see the animated GIF. He actually has some of the yeah. animations. Where are the Klingon plane launching out to your carrier and away it goes. But basically, he said that this game doesn't really hold well uh, up to modern times. I mean, not just on the, you know, the, the fact that it's running on a machine that's 40 years old, but just the gameplay itself just didn't really hold up. So he actually kind of did a bonus one at the end here uh, by not Arc Rail Games, because we did have a few. You can see some of the animations there, too. Wow. I have a feeling it's not doing some cleanup there, but... Um... I think yeah, that was on purpose. I mean, they could have cleaned it up, but I think they did that because when you're shooting oh, it down looked planes, like, a, like, like a trail of smoke or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Going down like in it, a blaze of glory, huh? Yeah, so it kind of fits fits the game somewhat. 
It's a completely basic game. There's no machine language yeah. in that. Yeah, that was pretty obvious by looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, his detail is amazing. He's got the original ads here from when it came out. Yeah. Uh, there's a 16K version, just like across the Rubicon head as well, um, which is basically more just text and semi-graphics. Oh, Jacksonville, Florida. I didn't know they were that close to me. Ark Royal. You, you should go check if Phil Keller's still around. He'd be awesome yeah. to get for an interview. Yeah, right. Yeah, I had to pass Jacksonville on my way to Chicago. <laughs> so this is his final rating here, which I thought was one of the best things I've ever seen. Totally, totally obsolete. obsolete. <laughs> totally obsolete. <laughs> kind of like this show. Yeah. Would recommend a modern player? No. Would recommend to a designer? No. You know, so. <laughs> not impressed. Okay. All right. But it seems to me objective and not just, uh, yeah, that's neat. Yeah. And then he gives his, his subcategories what he reviews, like immersion, very poor, clarity of rules and outcomes, very poor, systems, terrible, scenario <laughs> <laughs> design and balancing, very poor, did I make interesting decisions, no, and final rating of totally obsolete. Totally obsolete. And he goes through the, some of the reviews. Oh, some contemporary reviews, okay. Yeah. And then he did a bonus review, so he covered Mission Empire here, which is actually an earlier game from 1982 and it's not by Ark Royal. Like Ark Royal was the war games, uh, sportswear did some war games too, more Coco three era. Um, but I remember this ad strictly color software did mission empire. So they, he kind of did a mini review of that one, uh, which is a bit more of a, uh, lowest, but then he figures out it's a clone of the old uh, galactic saga, which is actually, there's other clones that James West, my ex roommate did back in the eighties too, that I put on my website recently too. I didn't even realize this was an actual clone, a text mm. version of the clone of this type thing. You can even see like some of the controls attack, computer embark. Yeah. You know, it's, it's similar. There's your computer control there, the attack, et cetera. So it's definitely based on that. And uh, he kind of covers that one as well, too. He doesn't do a full-blown review because he says he's already reviewed the Galactic Empire and this plays pretty well the same. Okay. So, uh, but if Honorable you're into the, the strategy uh, space trading games, that's a good one to try out, too, so... Anyway, he's, he's going to continue. He's kind of doing things in a chronological order, so he's going to be bouncing back and forth between platforms. But there's a lot more Ark Royal stuff to come. There's the sportswear stuff when you get into the mid to late 80s. So there's uh, going to be more Coco reviews on the site as as he gets to that certain time period. But if you're into war games in general, he covers like Apple II and Atari and everything else too. So he, you get a really good you know, cross-section of everybody. He did cover... Um, because I emailed him back and forth. Because the one I mentioned was Avalon Hill had done uh, VC, VC, the Viet Cong game, which is a graphical one too. And I asked him if he was going to do a review of that one. He said he already did for some of the other platforms because that one was multi-platform. Okay. It was on the Atari 400, 800. It was on the Apple II. It was on the Coco, all official versions. So uh, he said he already, he doesn't review it more than once. He just picks one of the platforms because basically the game plays the same. And then he just reviews it once as a general for all the platforms. So gotcha. you can actually read his previous review on that particular game, VC from Avalon Hill as well, if you want to see what he thought of that one. <laughs> oh, here's Ron giving me notifications. Ron, stop it. Um, so the next one up here, Fabrizio Caruso, who is actually, we've featured a few times before, so he's got his cross-platform library that he makes these games that actually work on like 30 different platforms. And uh, he's had some black and white graphic stuff on the Coco. He's had a lot of semi-graphic stuff. Now he's got the four-color modes with Coco 1 and 2 and the Dragon 3264 as part of his cross-lib, as it's called. And he's got his first game ported for it here, uh, which you can actually download the disc set versions up here. 
and he'll be porting some of the other ones over as well here too. Um, I know there are some requests in the uh, comments there that he should, you know, make some better sound routines, which he said wouldn't be that hard. So um, I'm not sure how loud this will be, but I'll play a little bit of the video clip here so you can kind of see Go what the, this bigger game looks like. bit louder. Yeah, but when you guys turned it down last week, we couldn't hear people talking, so we'll have to suffer through it. That's pretty good. So it's kind of like a balloon fire a little bit. Yeah, similar. Um, I like the fact up. you have to hit them multiple times and it kind of bumps them back up as you're. Yeah, playing. that's neat. And the speed is pretty decent too, especially because like those dollar signs fall really fast. Yeah, and it's it's similar to that uh, Japanese engine that we've been seeing MC10 in yeah. couple games. And yeah. The, you know, the VZ300 or whatever, there's a whole bunch there that do the no, cross-platform thing. Speed is really impressive. And we've, we've showcased some of his earlier games on the other graphics modes, and he's planning on going through and doing all those, so he'll be re-releasing a bunch of those games with the four-color mode. And it, it works pretty good. So yeah. go download Clear. it. Um, the engine itself, I think, is pretty well free to work with too so i think you you can actually make your own games with this if you want an alternative to like cmock or i can't remember what the system the japanese system is called but he's actually got it up to like 200 different consoles and computers here writing the code only once so that's that's that a big name. thing i mean you're not going to get like top shelf games for each right, platform doing this it's like an lcd type thing lowest common denominator has to work on everything so but no that's cool yeah and the speed so it's obviously compiling it somehow. So the speed is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you, you like I said, you can't write the most complicated games, but there's definitely some pretty decent arcade-style games you can do with this. And then if you write it once, it's literally available on 200 consoles and, and computers, you know, pretty well instantly just run it through. So. Uh, next up is Wall of Bricks, which is actually a Jim Gary port of an old um, Alice game. From France, so this was for the MC10 clone. Uh, the difference with this one here, the original one was quite slow. Now it has better physics, like this basically a bust out game. Um, now a lot of the basic ones, if you remember, like the, even the Coco 3 ones, Coco 1 2 didn't seem to make a difference. You would get it, we'd shoot the ball up, and if you got it knocked one break out and you shot it through that hole, it would immediately eliminate both levels just because the way the algorithm works, kind of bouncing back and forth. Yeah, yeah, it's not really that realistic. Like, how did it get trapped in the wall to do that? So this one has better physics. This one actually does not allow that to happen. It'll you know, maybe bump a couple of squares up, but it doesn't just zigzag all the way through the whole thing. So it's better, but it, the game was definitely playing slower. So this one's actually been run through Greg Dion's basic compiler for the MC10. It's still not the quickest thing in the world, but it's it's much better than the original one. And this is actually his second video because he had some bug fixes to do. Uh, but you you can tell that the physics are definitely more realistic than the, uh, the original version was, or the other versions we've seen done in basic. And that's the actual, those are the bricks, even. Okay. Yeah. I won't play the whole thing. Yeah, speed is halfway forward. decent. Get to one where he actually hits a hole. Pretty sure he managed to knock one out. You can do it. There you go. Yeah, so basically it ricochets into the wall, but doesn't do that zigzag wiping out two lines in a row type thing, which 
it's always bugged me about the basic ones. I understand how it happens programmatically. You have to do some extra programming to get around it. So in this case, that has actually been done. But it's kind of neat seeing something ported from the Alice back to the MC10. It must have been very difficult to do. Yeah, I imagine the transcoding must have been horrible. <laughs> he, had to, he had to do a, a, a search and replace and get rid of the word lay in front of everything because it was in French. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, I'll let Ken uh, introduce this one here. Okay. Hey, that's me. Yeah, so I'll um, skip ahead okay, here. Uh, okay, we're doing the Robotron video here. So, yeah, I just... Uh, Decided to show off Robotron. Oh, that looks good. Playing. I heard Nick talking about this last week. I haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah. Playing it on my uh, actual Coco 3 using two joysticks. So. Yeah, so I'm going to fast forward. I'll put the sound back on here for this. Um, 5% done. Unfortunately. Le poke. That's what Jim Ryan says. Le poke, le peak. <laughs> as you mentioned, Ken, like not all the sound effects in here. There's a few graphic slowdowns and maybe yeah. a few graphic glitches. Actually, it's interesting, points. though, um, during the, after releasing this video, I did have people comment on it saying, actually, the video game, the cabinet itself also suffered from the odd slowdown just randomly like that. Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It so it might not really be a good. problem in the transcode. It might be a problem in the original code. Okay. Sound effects are good. God, that is so damn good. It's a two-handed, two-stick thing there. Yeah table somehow because uh, they can slip around. Like Robotech did this too, like the old 1983 right. um, intercolor one. And I had to tape the joysticks down to my couch. I had this big couch with big arms. And I used to tape the joysticks down for two joystick games like this. Now this is a perfect, uh, perfect use for like an Xbox joystick that has two thumbsticks. So like on an emulator, if you had an Xbox controller, you could use both thumbsticks if you had to map the joystick one and two. Mm. Or you could just map it to your keyboard uh, just on this same yeah. uh, keys, and then you just fire in the direction you're moving. I've got like some two-sided Velcro, and just you hold down the sticks to the table. Yeah, that looks really good. And pick this yeah, I mean, it, like 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 Ken mentions in the video, it's it's ninety-five percent done. There's some sound effects um, missing. I think is the main thing. I, I wasn't didn't realize that the actual arcade game slowed down once in a while too. So, well, apparently, I I cannot confirm or deny that. It's just what was commented on my video. <laughs> Okay, because I, I, I played the arcade game, but I didn't play it that much. It wasn't one of my favorites at the time. Um, well, I never admit it because I'd burned myself out in Berserk already by this point. <laughs> Concentrating too much on trying to save humanity here. Screw but humanity. I, I like your, your picture in picture there with the actual playing of the two joysticks at once. That that made this video to me. Yeah, that's cool. I'd like to announce my new product, the dual joystick tray. There well, you one go. Is a, one is a Rick Uland, uh joystick. The other's an original Tandy. The other and uh, ah, the tank got me. Can you tell the difference? Because I can. Which, which one's who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the one on the, the right is Rick's because I think it has a thicker cable, right? Uh, yes, and it's also I think a little brighter, a little, little less uh, a little aged. cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> ha There we go. Yeah, sound effects are off the chain on this. Yeah, like yeah, it. and so much graphics moving on the screen. Like this puts yeah, look at all those guys, shame. and look how fast right. they're moving too. And honestly, the slowdowns when they happen, they're uh, almost they're almost doing you a really favor. Any, 
there's not really any rhyme or reason to them because it's not slowing down when there's just as many things on the screen or even more things it's not slowing down it's just all of a sudden it'll slow down like there there's way yeah, less things on the screen but it's decided to slow down yeah it even slowed the sound down too so it means like the rq's firing Definitely. slower or something if you're a robotron fan you'll love this game right you hardly notice the sound effects slowed down too like the pitch even shifted down oh darn it <laughs> i just about beat wave four that's really good. Good job, oh, Glenn Hewlett, once again. Yeah. yeah, that's that's an amazing conversion. That was that was one I didn't know if he'd be able to pull it off because there's there's a lot of stuff on the screen to move more than. And I've I've stuff. also sent this uh, video off to a couple of uh, bigger YouTubers that uh, are fans of Robotron, so hopefully they might put in a review of it. Well, if you if they do do one, uh, let me know in case I miss it. Yes, yeah. I'd well. like to put that in. And next up, since we got Jim Gary in the chat, welcome, Jim. So I actually emailed Jim about this uh, either this morning or last night. So I found another YouTuber that has decided to take on some um, emulated old games uh, with the channel name of Sabrina, I think it is. Yeah, Sabrina. And she actually specifically mentions, I found this out while watching Jim Gary. He's a retro enthusiast. He likes the tier city computer, MC10, etc. And he, he or she, I'm assuming she... Um, actually plays a few of like about 10 minutes worth of gameplay of, of, of several Jim Gary games or Jim Gary port games. And uh, Jim was not aware of this either, apparently, when he emailed me back. So getting some uh, getting some love from another person. Bazooka. I'll just I'll just do little bits here of each one. Okay, the infamous car games. And this is when I think it's screaming for a compile at the end. Yeah, it is at a breakneck speed here, folks. <laughs> is this no nightmare highway? Yeah, <laughs> uh, the nightmare is having to put up at the speed of this game. <laughs> <laughs> this is snoozy newsy highway that's what that is it's a... digger now is i'm wondering why the sound is so choppy is that because it's going through the emulator or is that just the routine he's using to generate sound I, i'm guessing the emulator or the capture that that she did because this is the online emulator. you can tell by the little yeah. light yeah gray on the corners of the screen so it's the online, you know, Java or whatever the heck it's written in. It's not even a you know separate program, local program. Yeah, all of the sound sounds really like stuttery. Yeah, so it could be the emulator, online emulator. It could be the speed of the computer that is online doing it. It could be the capture software slowing things down. I'm not sure. Mick Flappy Bird. One of the world's most frustrating games on any platform. Oh, look at that. That's actually halfway decent. Warning. Strobing effect may cause seizures. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty good. It's doing a full screen scroll. Ouch. Too flat. Yeah, this choppy sound's killing me. But no, that's pretty cool, though. Oh, the Matrix. version of the Matrix. Just briefly. Not really a game. Prepare for launch. 
I better forward this one. I don't know. Yeah, this is where she kept running into the side here. And then she figured out the controls better. Hey, Karen's out there. Hey, Karen. Prepare for launch. Prepare for ludicrous speed. Ouch, don't hit the stars. Pew, pew. Yeah, Best use of a why ever. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree. Yeah, when I was doing my text version of Cosmic Aliens, I used the capital letter A because that kind of looked like a spaceship pointing up. But yeah, the Y is definitely, and I think I was using Ys for the for the guys coming Aliens down. Coming down. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, what is this? Uh, it's real party. I'm not sure what this is. It is. Uh, Jim can tell us because I have no idea. Is this the game of life where it's like the. Uh, I don't know what the hell that is. I think that's I life. Either. Yeah. Where it's. Life yeah, is that's that's my life. It's random and not very colorful. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the evolution of the coronavirus right there. <laughs> Beautiful. Hey. Beautiful. Part two. Is this barcode simulator? (laughs) (laughs) It's an amazed game of some sort. There you get that semi graphics color bleed. We can't have two more than two colors occupying the same spot. Unless one of them is black. Yeah. You have your choice of black and one other color. Which Nick Nick's been hitting a bit on his his crikey. Yeah. I still haven't seen Jumping Joy because I haven't been. I've been hearing the replays, but I haven't seen what the, what it looks like yet. Cave Hunt 3D. This is making for riveting audio. For those those listening to us <laughs> later on, you're welcome. So there's <laughs> <laughs> a sword. Okay, so pretty, this pretty is like quick, a, a dungeon crawly thing. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh-oh. Attack with a knife. That's not a knife. That's a <laughs> knife. There you go. Put an Australian, Australian theme on it. Snake Bite by Jim Gary, inspired by the ZX81 game. Snake Bite. Hi. Oh, okay. So this is a snake game. Yeah, some of these we have not covered before. Oh, so and probably, you don't get penalized for going over yourself in this one. A lot of snake games, you can't touch yourself. Yeah, so you die as soon as you try. Let's work another one. Romulan Warbirds by Jim Gary. Ooh. Oh, the ca- oh, we got depth perspective here. They're getting yep. bigger they get as they come 3D, closer. 3D bigger and smaller. As oh my. Oh, and the stars just shifted. My lord. This is high tech. This is. 
I think this is the first 3D space game I've seen on the MC10, to be honest. Nice. And this one, I think you use in your pre-roll, don't you? Well, he he actually did that. He he gave me that commercial based on some clips he put together for me. This is a snowboarding. It's I like Sebi Graphics' use of using some of those weird characters. You're there. getting the dark green for the trees and then some striped greens that you can only get in a certain mode. Couple of pokes required to enable that mode, so it yeah. kind of misinterprets uh, text. And uh, on the Alice would be a lay poke, <laughs> lay poke and lay peak, lay next. Lay what what next. do they call L poke and L peak on the Coco Three? Then lay lay <laughs> poker. <laughs> ouch! 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 I like the fact though, because he's got a couple different designs of the trees, not just the same tree shape all the time, a couple different colors. Right. Some, some of them are Christmas them. trees looking like. Yeah. And I think, I'm not positive, but I think he might be using the semi-graphic six style setup, like 64 by 48. Well, because yeah, the pixels on the guy are square, more, a little more, square more squarish. Than, yeah. yeah, elongated. Yeah, cool. Cool stuff, a little Jim Gates. I'll, I'll keep an eye out if she does any more, you know, MC10 games. I'll because like Jim's put out what six, seven hundred now, <clears throat> and we've only covered and that was just yesterday, last couple of years. So there's a whole <laughs> bunch I've missed from earlier times, yes. and he cranks out new ones every, almost every week too. So mm -hmm. I mean, it's really hard to keep up. So that's it for the gaming news. So now I'll switch it over. Let's keep us going, L Curtis. Too regular. There's news. no news like good news. Okay. Or no news is good news or something. <laughs> the bookshelf is leaning more, so watch yourself. <laughs> All right, so first up, uh, Coco Crew episode number 84 has been released. And, of course, we saw John and Boise down at Coco Fest, which was cool. They, I think they even did a seminar on the uh, Coco Crew podcast, kind of explaining what it was. Um, I believe so it this was one, a serious show. Yeah. So in this one here, they uh, did a, or Neil did a review of the Interbank Incident, which is one of my favorite adventure games, especially considering the time period it came out. It was yeah, yeah, very innovative. Um, it was also the very first hard disk enabled game for the Coco Three or for the Coco One and Two, I should say, especially from Tandy because it took three discs. Otherwise, it runs much much better on a hard drive. Uh, and then they also did their kind of review of, of Coco Fest. Now that was a bit disappointing to me because uh, they literally spent half of the segment you know complaining about a lot of problems they had at the hotel now it did sound like they had a really crap ride from the hotel on that they had key cards that would quit working continuously the entire time they were there i had a problem with my key card the first time and then it worked fine after that but they had to keep re-going down and getting it reprogrammed and they couldn't get back in the room and it was like it was a mess for them so i understand why they they did it i just wish they would have spent more time reviewing the show though that about half of the segment is on that um and, and this is something I wanted to ask you guys, too, because I had the same issue that they mentioned as well, <clears throat> excuse me, of uh, the rooms not getting cleaned uh, in between. Uh, now, yeah. I was only there two days, Friday night, Saturday night, so, but I did notice they never came in to do anything. Like, everything was exactly as I left it, you know, even after being in the show. They, did you guys encounter that, too? Because they did it for four days, and they never Yeah, well, is Grant still on the call? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. So yeah, because – go ahead, Grant. Answer that question. Cause so, would you, would you, what, since COVID is now uh, – 
we're in post-COVID, they have stopped doing the daily room service. But if you wanted them to come in and replenish your towels and <laughs> coffee and everything, there was a card that you had to fill out and take down to the front desk. And then they would go back in and replenish those items. But they don't do full housekeeping services like they used to do before COVID. So Okay, because uh, I don't remember them even mentioning that. Yeah, they never mentioned that to me. <laughs> well, it's just standard for hotels in general now. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of that way now. I'd like to make a comment, though. Um, as someone who was in construction for many years, I thought it interesting last year in November that there was a wall of buckets of drywall mud against the elevator shaft downstairs and no other construction material. And I wonder what that was all about. And I now realize that was the former management just sort of frosting over all of the problems with drywall mud and uh, selling it on to the new guys. <laughs> that's right, because they just changed management literally two weeks yeah. before the show, right, Grant? Yeah, exactly. yep, that's true. So, so that's what all that drywall mud was about. It was covering up all the sins so the new guys would buy it and they could... Uh, and fixing up, changing some of the carpet, I think they did. But uh, so last next year will be the tell. It will either be very, very much better or abandonable. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, and you know what? I... I I can't blame somebody for hey you know what I, the the room the the room wasn't good or whatever the hotel service wasn't good uh, if that's if that's a valid concern then everybody's entitled to not be happy about that but I kind of agree with you too Curtis if you're trying to review Coco Fest then review the fest and don't bring the dirty laundry of the hotel in there but I can also see where well if the hotel just kind of sucks we should warn people that next year it might suck too but I think given the circumstances that that should have been taken in consideration too. It's under new management and it's in the COVID era. You have to request for room service. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind the fact that they mentioned it and I think they did need to, I, I'm not arguing that point. It's just, they, they dwelled on it for literally half the segment and that yeah. was kind of overkill. That's, yeah. I mean, but they were frustrated and I, you know, I kind of understand too. as John put it, you know, because they didn't get room service the entire four days, their key cards kept quitting working. So they'd walk all the way back from the show floor. And as, as you know, John had a cane, so he's having trouble walking. So having to do this whole trip, go up to the room and then it doesn't work and I have to walk all the way back down. He had to do this every day. I, yeah. That would definitely tick me off. And he said it yeah. actually influenced his whole mood about the show much lower than it probably would have been without those issues. So and that's I, unfortunate. I that's yeah. unfortunate, you know, and again, I'm not unsympathetic to that. And I don't think anybody should get a pass if, if, no, the, exactly. if the service was not there. But, I, you know, it's just odd that it happened to them, too. But I don't think everybody had that same experience. So it just kind I of had it the first time. The first time we, I went to the room, my car didn't work. I had to go uh, back. I was going to say, same here. And also, we had a lot of issues with the air conditioners being either kind of loud and noisy or not working at all. Because I think Coco Man had to change rooms, too, because he had issues hmm. with the hotel. I mean, with yeah, the uh, air conditioner. I'm pretty sure this all goes down to the bucket of the wall of drywall buckets. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, this, so basically, this this hotel was a car, is, you know? this hotel was a used car being sold to somebody who's now having to just roll back every, the odometer. Every, yeah. they, everything they that's wrong with years. it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, like yeah. I said, I understand why they and they did need to talk about that. I mean, that does lower the experience, and they seem to have had it worse than most people did. Like I said, I had the key card issue just the once, the first day. Well, I mean, what, what I can tell you by just 
the hospitality manager guy, he was so accommodating. Anything Grant asked for, you know, um, he, they they bent over backwards to make sure we ended up having breakfast buffets that weren't necessarily communicated or they weren't aware of. Or, you know, the first day everybody had to buy their own breakfast a la carte. But from then on, it was breakfast buffet for everybody. So as soon as they were made aware of something, they were super accommodating to to go out of their way to make sure that that everybody from at Coca Fest was enjoying themselves while they were there. I, right. I witnessed that repeatedly. One thing I will t- let you know is the buffet and the convention side is completely separate from the hotel side. So different, uh, different managers, different, managers, every- different staff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah I feel, so I mean, I feel that the workers were very. Um, there, there's good customer service when you talk to them. If you made them aware of an issue, they would go out of their way to make sure you were, you were satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. I think the convention side, everything was great. I think there were some issues, though, on the hotel side of things. So, yeah. And part of that's the management change the last Exactly. Minute. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can kind of see both sides. I, I guess the main thing I wanted to point out is that they dwelled on that longer than they should have for a Cocoa Fest review. It was more like a hotel review for the first half of the segment. It's not a short segment. So, and then the uh, the main discussion topic was on cocoa pur- puritism, um, you know, using pure period, correct hardware, whatever else. It's actually been discussed by them before. It's been discussed by us before. I mean, if you're new to the community, you may not have heard these discussions. So it's it's it was well anything new revealed? for me. It was more rehashed. It was anything because we've new discussed it already ad nauseum. Anything new but, revealed in that discussion? No, not really. I mean, it's it's the same. I mean, basically, you know, some people think it, it should be. It's it's up to every individual. It's same as we've talked right, about. Same right, as right, they've right. talked about before. Honestly, it's uh, you know, some people do want that pure experience. They want the retro period hardware, the retro period software, and don't give me anything else. Others, you know, want a cocoa pie with you know all kinds of add-ons and stuff. And and there's people in between. So for me, there is no. It's as you say on one of our bumpers. There's no wrong way to cocoa. It's up to the individual user to do whatever they're comfortable with. But the with. thing too about you want to talk about so. I would like to rephrase purism because in the original days, somebody who owned a cocoa, they would cannibalize it anyways. So are we talking about cocoa purism? Or are you talking about kind of um, museum piece collectability? So if you want a cocoa, oh. an unmodified cocoa that could go in a museum, this is how Tandy released it. That's one thing. But if you were a cocoa user back in the day, you modified your cocoa anyway. So I don't yeah. understand. Is pure is purism meaning don't touch it, keep it stock? Or is purism well, that, it meaning... It depends on which panelist was talking because that varied as well. And that's the thing. It's up to the individual. Like some people are collectors, period. They want right. stock. Other people, and I'd put myself more in this category, but it doesn't make it right or wrong. You know, we did modify. We modified that crap out of our cocoa at work because we had to to make it run everything we were getting it to run. So, and there's people in between. I mean, there's... It varies by each individual person, so I don't have an issue with any of it. And I think the way you you said, there's no wrong way to cocoa. That's yeah. that's the right attitude to have. So I, yeah, I don't. Yeah. It doesn't really warrant any further discussion because everybody has their own personal opinion of what they're right, willing this, this, to do. This is audit. not. This is. There's no right answer to this question. Exactly. It's more right. just a discussion of what are the different levels of. Yeah. What people so, are and, with. and you know, and you know what I really again. I mean, my my view is my own, but what really to me solidified legitimacy to what I think a lot of us feel is an acceptable way of doing things. Um, but when we interviewed Randy Kindig and, was, and we asked him about his different systems and when he collects things, he says, the first thing I do whenever I get any system is I'm going to look for a display mod. 
to make it on a modern display, a memory upgrade, and any type of multi-cart, you know? And and that's just, you know, that, that's just, because if you have something, even though you're a collector and you're a serious collector and you're trying to preserve these things, you want to be able to use it without having to get out an old CRT and an RF modulator, right? So I, I think a lot of people say, yeah, I like old machines, but I want to do a couple of um, quality of life uh, upgrades to them so I can just plug it into VGA or HDMI or, you know, whatever yep. composite mod over RF. So, and so to hear somebody like Randy Kindig, who I would consider to be a fairly purist in general kind of guy and, you know, pretty legitimate vintage um, person say that. I'm like, yeah, that, that he speaks for most people. <laughs> yeah. You and know, there's a so. wide range. There's some people that are like the hardcore collectors is the hardcore modify everything that moves type thing. And there's everybody in between. So it's, right. So back in the day, if we're talking about period correct, back in the period, people modified the hell out of their Cocos back oh, then. big time. Um, Take a look I at get, some of the old color computer news right. where they're putting modern so, three keyboards so, into a Coco One case. You know. So then the question becomes now, we're not just modifying to modify. Now we're modifying and we're adding superchargers to things. So we're doing stuff yeah. like the FPGAs and the microcontrollers and all these other Give things that are lit. And, yeah. yeah. So, um, but that to me, that's just modifying it's the same spirit of modification, up keeping up a tradition, <laughs> but using what's available to us now. You know, yeah. it's, it's almost like saying, well, you know, I, I could dig a hole and go crap in the backyard, but, you know, I've got running water now. So why not use that? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to do it the way that makes sense nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like when we started using hard drives on the Coco in the mid to late 80s, like when Burke and Burke and you know, Eliminator and the Owlware and a few others came out. I mean, that was not stock. It wasn't using Tandy parts, but a right. lot of people did it, you know, so. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's there's there's no wrong way to do it. It's it's whatever you're personally comfortable with. And some people are comfortable with hacking the crap out of it from a hardware level. Some of them just want to add in some new add-ons, like you said, to make it more convenient. Others are collectors and they want it stock as stock right. as possible. So and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with any of those. It's it's a discussion of options. It's not a discussion of what's right or wrong. Right. It's, but it's to a, me, usability and ease of use and quality of life are how I want to use anything. You know, so uh, that's my preference. That doesn't mean I'm right, but that's how I want to. I want to be able to hook it up to a screen, um, a modern screen, an easy to read screen. I don't want to have to deal with, you know, CRTs take up a ton of space. So uh, to have a multi-purpose screen where I can just switch inputs and have more than one device on one screen, that saves me real estate. So I'm in favor of that, you know. And then Rocky Hill says in the comments, you have running water spoiled. Yeah, so. listen, that's because, I, well, listen, he's in Miami. They got plenty of running water right now. They got cars that are flooded. So, um, a little bit too much running on. Yeah, we are we are getting ready to have a tropical storm pass through South Florida. Uh, it's coming from the west, coming across to the. Now, can east. you collect all that water and send it over to Arizona and Nevada <laughs> where they need it? Yeah, so my, Miami Dade County's got plenty of. Well, maybe it's not running water; it's probably standing water at this point. But <laughs> there's water the to be found. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, um, Mikey. He likes it. He likes it. It's I think he's still in the chat. So he had some corrections that he mentioned here. Uh, so basically, he's been working with with Rick's card, and he's actually got the Echo command, Echo U command, actually working. So you can actually send messages. Which back command does he have working? Echo U, I think it's called. I'm not familiar with these things, so I'm. No, I'm you missed you missed my there. opportunity there. Okay. Oh, did I? Yeah. Say say the word Echo. Echo. What what command did he have working? Ah, I get it now. Yeah, you got Curtis. He's, a little I'm slow. Slow. He's, I'm Canadian. he's Canadian. I'm slow. He's Canadian. He's Canadian. Just apologize. Translate. Apologize for your guitar playing again. Yeah, because uh. they spelled echo correctly with the extra U thrown in. That's why I was confused. So. <laughs> a coup. <laughs> <laughs> 
Bless you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Redesign. So anyway, Michael's been working on this, and uh, last week both Rick and I had it wrong that he was using the raw mode on the WizNet, and he's not. He's actually using the standard. You know, it does all the TCP, IP, UDP, and all of these other acronyms. I don't understand itself. I think you get more nutrients when you consume it raw, though, don't you? Yeah, it's like vitamin D3 or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad to see, now that I see it on your, on your shared screen here, Coco capital IO, when I was looking at this on my phone, it looked like he was doing like the pipe command, like it was a tall line. So I'm like, why is he calling this thing Coco pipe O? That's weird. So I see it now. <laughs> it's Coco IO. All right. So Rick, since you've actually been talking with Mike a bit here, do you, do you have a nice, nice, better explanation of what exactly he accomplished here this week? Is Rick still here? Yeah, but it seems like he's my talking. Mic. There he goes. My, there you yeah, go, Rick. My mic, my mic was muted and the rest of me was not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so all of my pithy comments from the last 10 minutes have been nowhere. Um, it's so, the way, so anyway, sir. Yeah, this, this is great because he is actually putting together a C framework for networking in general on the Cocoa IO, letting the, the WizNet chip do all of the work. So you can keep the 60X09 available for interpreting the work. So this is a great step forward, and uh, I'm I'm pretty sure he's he's about to announce some some actual basic services available that might reduce the need for certain hardware items. Um, so this is all pretty good stuff. I'm, and he's, he hasn't been doing it too long. I think he's been, just been doing it since the festival. Oh, right? he's kicked us out in like a week. He's, he's already passed everything I've done in the last eight months. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Dave says if we're all purists, there would be no weekly news. Yeah, so this week, nothing has changed. Everybody's using the same machine, the same way. Same software. Same for 40 order. years. <laughs> nothing to see here. Move along. No new software, no new development tool chains. Nope. We're still using Edtasm and floppies and cassettes. Move along. <laughs> Ooh, floppies. Ooh, David just well, we woke up. David up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is this has been fascinating to watch. I don't know that much about low-level internet protocols except you know what the acronyms stand for, and I only know some of those. I, I haven't really done delved much into network stuff, um, but just seeing stuff going back and forth between the PC and the Coco. Uh, both in, in Rick's doing his browser stuff and then here doing these these echo u commands etc uh, where you know the machines are talking to each other properly over the network card that's that's pretty darn the thing, promising the thing that i don't understand is is that it almost seems like he's reinventing the wheel because aren't all these things built into the chip already isn't the whole purpose of this well, no, chip to offload all of this what he's doing is the work in getting the stuff that's built into the chip into os9 Oh, so okay. He's so he's he's writing the to, he's writing basically to, the driver for it, and essentially exactly pretty much. So he's got the C okay. framework to do a UDP command. Right, right, right. And, and these are the things that we take for granted now. Having a modern PC, the entire TCP/IP protocol stack is a driver and a kernel based into our operating system. It's so, all, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And now Mikey says, "My dream job would have been 
a Unix system programming to space between the operating system and the application. So now I can do this on the Coco. There you go. So he's living Sweet. out a dream. That's why he's resuming so good. He's thought about yeah. this for a few years. I know he's not being a Unix uh, purist there. Um, right. And Chris Durr says, mailman just came in and brought me a switcheroo. So we got uh, just this in, switcheroo just arrived at Chris <laughs> Durr's house. Things are there, getting there. There's, there's some Breaking news for you right there. Everyone. Was it a pure switcheroo is what I want to know. Because <laughs> um, I am a switcheroo purist myself. Um, Mr. Dave wins the chat this week is what Brian was. Okay. So it seems like even in the live chat, not everybody agrees with the cocoa needs to be pure discussion. And that's okay. And we're all entitled to our opinions and we're going to cocoa the way we see fit. Well, this, this is the one case where everybody's right. It's whatever you're personally comfortable with. Some people do are, are collectors. Like they're the people that buy a classic car and don't want to ever switch out parts. It's got to be stock parts, you know, type thing. And there's others that use the frame and the rest of the car is totally brand new. So, I mean, everything in between. Yeah. I don't have a problem with people that want to be purists. They're absolutely fine to do that, but um, it's absolutely fine to be that. Right. It, 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 shouldn't, it shouldn't be like, well, this is the way. And anybody who is not this way is wrong. If you're going to come with that level of imperialism, then, you know, that's not the kind of person I'd want to hang out with. You know, you can say, listen, I like peanut butter, you know, and I don't like peanut butter. That's one thing. But if you say, hey, I, I like peanut butter, unless you like it, too, you're a loser. Well, then that's not somebody I want to have a beer with, you know, so. Yeah. And we only talk about uh, people who are allergic to peanut butter. So. Well, <laughs> that's their problem. <laughs> and since you have the floor, Stevie, here's the uh, one we talked about earlier. That, there's Charlie. All I got to say is everybody should be more like Charlie, right? So I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, um, it's, I'm going to break form here and I'm going to speak freely and I'm not going to put any sugar on my words. unlike how I usually communicate, but um, <laughs> uh, I like the Cocoa Pie Project. As you guys know, I'm a fan of the Cocoa Pie Project. I did not create this project, but I'm a big supporter of it. And I made the website for it and I did some tutorial videos. But what I continue to see are basically people who like to bitch and complain about the Cocoa Pie for one reason or another. And I have zero patience. I have less than zero patience. So this was my polite way of telling everybody to ST f u and be like charlie he's eight years old and he made the cocoa pie work i see people all the time saying well can i do this or shouldn't i do this or you know, i want to dual boot my cocoa pie and i want to create a, you know everybody wants to invent their wheel and then complain about why it's not working because you didn't take the image the way it was meant to be done and follow the instructions and if you did that it would have worked so i'm just it's a it's a sore spot for me to hear all the whiners and complainers uh, or people who won't spend two seconds to spend a little bit of time learning how to do something. And so um, I like the Cocoa Pie. I like the fact that uh, that Charlie was able to do it. And what I, what I will say about the Cocoa Pie, though, is that it's not meant to be. Yeah, I am a Cocoa Pie purist. I will have to say that. I'm a little <laughs> bit of a Cocoa Pie purist there, Rocky Hill. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's not hard to use. But at the end of the day, once you have the cocoa pie, there's two things you need to know how to do. You need how to know how to use the cocoa when, you know, a real cocoa, because you still have to load things from a disc or load things into a cartridge. And you need to know a little bit about how the emulators allow you to do that. And those are things that, well, yes, I have made some YouTube videos kind of showing you how to do it. Um, you got to spend a little bit of time knowing how to do it and not just bitching about it, not working the way you want to do it. Or I will publicly shame you. I'm showing you pictures of eight years old, eight year old kids running circles around you. So that's all I have to say about that. So, 
Actually, uh, uh, another part that came out with the cocoa pie, because, of course, uh, Taylor and Amy had their cocoa pie, and they bought the case from John Strong at the show, etc., and got the whole wireless running around with the battery and stuff. So uh, Taylor was actually fiddling around with Nitrous 90s reviews because they don't have cocoa 3s because those are you know, expensive as hell and rare to find these days. And um, they found out that the current default, uh, if you have a Pi 400, there's no equivalent to the clear keys. So you can't switch windows. And they were asking, like, oh, how, do, how do we get around this? And I talked to Ron, and there's no default set up. So I don't know. Have some people figured out a key? Because I know Ron's thinking about maybe making a default just so that people. Oh, that's why he put that question in the Cocoa Pie group. Uh, I don't know. So the thing to realize, again, um, there's how many different emulators in there? So we have MAME and we have XROAR. I'm not sure how XROAR lets you remap keys, but I know in MAME you can bring up tab user interface and then you can go through the settings for your machine and you, it'll show you what the real key is, and then you can hit enter and then press another key to map the real key versus the yeah. key you define. So I know you can remap keys in, in MAME, and it's fairly easy to do. Um, but yeah, because I haven't run into that problem, not having to press clear in Nitrous 9 yet, um, I haven't had to solve that problem yet myself. Yeah, and I think I think Ron's question was more, should we make a standard, and if so, what should it be? Because, I mean, if you have a Pi 400, you should have clear enabled. You probably, you'd even need that in disk basic, you know. Right. Um, too, clear so. is usually a home key, so function left on the Pi 400. So function left arrow might be it. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't have a Pi 400 to, to, to tell that. So, so anyway, that was that was a question that they had, and that's, I think, why Ron posted it as well here, because he yeah. kind of took a look and said, yeah, there is no default yeah. home key set up. Well, and, and then so we have 8-bits in the basement talking about how he likes to hack machines i think your level of of uh, willingness to uh, unpurify yourself might also be directly related to how many machines you have like if i only had one coco i might be more concerned about preserving its uh you know pristineness but i'm lucky enough to have a bunch of cocoa so i do have some stock ones as a matter of fact i've bought a few on ebay just because they were in the box and okay, this is, I got a Coco 2 with the Melty keyboard in the box with the styrofoam holdy thingies and the receipt. I'm just going to put that on a shelf and I'll keep that as a collectible. But the one I'm going to use, I need to make sure it's gotten modded to my taste, you know. So um, that might also affect somebody's willingness to hack and slash your machine as of how many they have. <laughs> you know, you got your beaters and the yeah. ones you're everyday using ones and then your ones that go in a glass case, you know. so And some are probably that just, you know, aren't fully functional, just there for parts. So Yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, um, uh, Mikey uh, in the chat there mentioned, he said, Charlie's an awesome young man. I hope he continues to Coco or even Retro and doesn't get bored with it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was cool, to, it was cool that he, matter of fact, I don't have my wallet with me, but um, they, he had, they, his dad took a picture of us with this little camera that he had, and then it printed out like a little receipt, like a little piece of thermal paper of a black and white picture. So I have, I have it in my wallet still, the picture that uh, his, of Charlie's dad took with with that same pose right there on on that little receipt tape that I still have, um, so that was kind of cool that he had his own little camera that prints out pictures on the spot. He you know he's got his portable cocoa pie, that's all self-contained with a separate wireless keyboard. It's a neat project. There's so many things you can do with a Raspberry Pi, you know. And yeah. um, I know some people have expressed the desire to want to dual boot the cocoa pie with another. OS they're already running. It wasn't designed to do that. And what I would just say to that is because SD cards are so cheap. Yeah, I mean, just I, make uh, an SD card for each yeah, platform you want I to bought run. A, I bought a 128 gigabyte SD card for like 18 bucks. So they're stupidly cheap, the SD cards. So 
Um, you know, this project is designed to do something very specific, and it, it does it does what it does very well. Uh, and if you want it to be everything, then you know, learn how to modify Linux and and add stuff onto it because it is it's basically Linux. So if you know Linux, you can add onto it. But you know, take it for what it is. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, at that price, I mean, you can literally walk to your electronics store and, and get the uh, the SD card for the price it's going to cost you to drive over there in gas to get it. So. Save yourself. Um, now, the other thing is, um, what's his name? So uh, I don't know his full name, but the, at, at Coco Fest, he was actually referred to as Jesus Eric. And he's the guy with the really long hair. And he's also the guy who's got the briefcase of booze at, that we yep. drink in the, in the lobby at night. So, um, so Jesus Eric was actually selling fully built Cocoa Pie systems in John Strong's 3D printed cases in your choice of designer colors. They were all, I, and I have, I've got some pictures of those somewhere, but he was basically selling in a completely turnkey Cocoa Pie with the, with the Raspberry Pi and the keyboard and 3D printed case and the image and everything ready to go that you could have bought for basically what you would have had to have bought everything piecemeal. Eric uh, Kudzin is what uh, Jim Brain just said, right? So he was selling those um, ready to go and had some really cool, there was a Darth Vader one that was all black. There was red ones, there were pink ones. There was this really cool that John Strong was giving him um, kind of free reign on his cases. And John even had a side panel on the case where you had the uh, whole serial uh, access point to all those um, header pins. Uh, basically, like a, imagine a cartridge slot on the left side, and that's where all the header pins were because there's tons of stuff you can plug into your uh, Cocoa Pie or retro, you know, Raspberry Pis that you can plug into all kinds of stuff to there. So he actually had some custom, not only colors, but some custom design uh, John Strong cases to go with this. So I thought that was really neat to see. Yeah, this was like this fest was the fest of the pie, you know, a lot of pie stuff going on at this fest. Yep, there was. No, just a good, good, because like, one thing we've talked about before about, you know, Cocoa Fest and the Cocoa and retro communities in general is we need new blood. It just can't be us old farts till we die off and then the whole, you know, the whole scene ends. We can so, die anyway. purely, though. <clears throat> yeah, true. <laughs> 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 but, but, but getting young blood interested in it, especially at this young of an age. Yeah. And, and not just doing the playing the games because they'll try it for a bit and then they'll get onto modern games. Like, and he's actually using it and learning how to set it up, et cetera. So that, that's, that holds a lot of promise, I think, for, you know. Yeah, the machine's going to be still. the game because new computers aren't anything you can play with. But these old computers, they are a game, you know, themselves. It's a, it's a puzzle, right? So the, the OS is the game. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so OG Hugo is asking, I'd be interested in getting one of those. Are they still available? Oh, that's something that Eric was making. I don't, you know what? I have to go through my pictures. Uh, OJ Hugo, if you're on... Um, if you're on Discord, send me a message, because I think one of the pictures, I think Eric had put a little, like, uh, you know, away away from my table note that had his contact information on there. I'll see if I can find that picture of this contact info, or if somebody has Eric's email or something, put that in the chat. But um, when you talk about young blood, this is what I liked about going to BCF Midwest. There were a lot more younger people there. And when I say young, like from teenager to early 20s to early 30s, and I would say they made up about 30% of the attendees. So a lot of hipsters are coming to the BCF Midwest. And if we get more hipsters coming to Cocoa Fest, some new blood, um, that would definitely be good just to keep it alive, you know, keep it going, hopefully maybe even have it grow. And that's where that cross-pollination, like, you know, getting the audio equipment and stuff so you can actually support going to VCF and representing mm -hmm. Glenside and, and Cocoa Fest to, to kind of spread the word that, yeah, this is a fun show to come to, too. 
Now, Fred Provencia says, if this community is to grow and stay active, we need to come out with new stuff, new hardware, new software, et cetera. Otherwise, people's interest will wane and the community will diminish. Nostalgia alone will only keep most people's attention for so long. Mm -hmm. And we should ask him how Andark 3 is coming. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that was my highlight was meeting Charlie. Who's this douchebag? <laughs> him again? Yeah, he's <laughs> just kind of hogging all the space here today. I don't know. Jeez, so, Stevie. This is your part one of your trip to Coco Fest. So, you know, I won't play the yep. video here, but did you want to kind of cover what you did in part one and then what you're planning on for part two? Well, part one was basically a quick quick synopsis of my trip from Coco or from home to Coco oh, Fest. Oh, this is almost like the Traveling Ken's video. Uh, yep. And then here. what I bought at Coco Fest. Including a disk drive, an original mm. disk drive, so I could keep everything original, pure. Yes, and it's FD five hundred two as well, so it's yes. perfect for Nitrous Nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a double sided. You can even throw in a three and a half in there. And and if you would think about purity, as when we think about our women, we always want to hook up with the pure one. And then our first thing we want to do is to kind of unpurize her as soon as we can. Right. So I'm, I'm <laughs> getting really we worried where this is going. That's how we treat our cocos, right? We want to definitely defile them and deflower them as quickly as possible. <laughs> You're not selling it, Stevie. It's uh, not helping. Yeah. It's definitely gone to after dark. Yes. <laughs> My cocoa lacks purity. <laughs> it's a dirty cocoa. It's a naughty cocoa. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, it's no longer virgin cocoa. <laughs> and I am going to be uh, releasing a part two on this for the other two thirds of the trip across the United States and back home. Because I also did a lot of candy buying on the way home, as well as at Coco Fest. <laughs> and, and then uh, my next question for you, Ken, here is uh, how many shots did you take of me napping at the wheel while I was driving? None. Uh, you made me put my camera in the uh, in the trunk, so I didn't couldn't do that. Oh, good. I did remember you got my, my brain's kind of foggy. So six thousand miles and only two videos. That's why. Oh, and here's my room. <laughs> this was Lloyd Mister No Lloyd Mister Alberta. Oh, look at that poster there. I recognize that poster. Yeah, because it's in my room. <laughs> that's the one you stole. I think that's no the one. I, I don't know if mine had the black tape on it. Is this the one behind the table on the wall in there? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think that's the one I snagged. Yeah, um, Forest of Doom. Ooh. Hey, Stevie, thank you for letting me know about that. We'll contact the uh, Chicago Police Department on that. I can neither confirm nor deny that allegation. <laughs> uh, now, this is like you said. This isn't your whole hall. This is the hall you had from Coco Fest itself, and then you've got your yeah. other stuff that you picked on the way. Yeah. Well, that's that's the small things I picked up. All right, yeah, you have your a uh, couple other things that. Super. I think fun. everybody at Coco Fest bought one of these, from what I can tell. Yeah, and eventually it's going to go into one of my computers. Yeah, I'm going to do mine eventually too. Yeah, me yeah too. Sadly, I couldn't get get the one I wanted because they'd all all sold out. Because I this, wanted one of this, the Coco This product too. probably sets a new record for the most sales of a product that has not even been unwrapped yet. <laughs> <laughs> Rick doesn't care. He got paid. Because I want to, I want to keep it pure. Because once I take it out of its bubble wrap and and the oxygen hits it, it will start to lose its purity. Oh, I, I wrecked that one already. Then I guess I got to buy another one. All right. Yeah, you know, you got to stroke that keyboard right. good. 
So as we can see here, it's got like these little button things and, you know, they kind of look like these little clicky button thingies. And if you flip it over, it's got solder joints that hold the button thingies here. And that's pretty neat. And, uh, and they're very right. good. <laughs> talking about how you can switch the, uh, the, uh, the arrow keys around. <laughs> yeah. And then right here it came, uh, yeah, in this little bubble wrap, eh? It's the beauty of a bubble wrap. And Ken, you've obviously been talking to Rocky Hill here because he mentions in the comments that uh, you couldn't take pictures because you're too busy white knuckling the upholstery with my driving. So, <laughs> <laughs> which probably isn't far off the truth. I was just but... bracing for impact. <laughs> which time? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, like he goes and he shows off his uh, floppy drive here. So this is just for David Ladd. <laughs> Floppy. Oh, yes. And the <laughs> FD-502 floppy controller actually has a 28-pin socket so you can change the ROM with the current EEPROM. Oh, I am so excited. <laughs> oh, yes, I am, baby. <laughs> David's white-knuckling right now just trying yeah. to hold himself back. Yes, here, so. he's white-knuckling something. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you watching my other webcam? <laughs> the only David Ladd webcam? Uh, <laughs> that's that's an IP I blocked over that's here. Right. So. Make sure Mikey Furman blocks that on his uh, Cocoa <laughs> IO firmware, too, so we don't stumble across it. So look forward to part two. Um, you can definitely go through this. It goes a lot of explanation, and he covers you know part of the drive, marathon drives uh, to the show and stuff, too. Uh, did you, you, you are you planning on covering the Amigos? I can't remember. Did you take any pictures when we were down there? Uh, I took a couple pictures. Um, yeah, so th that's stuff that'll be in the second episode. Um, I'm not going to be down for uh, uh, Boat Fest because I'm going to go to BCF Midwest instead. Is that a nautical convention? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. I'll live report from it on, on Cocoa Talk that day. And you're going to do the, the news streams. from there, too? What's that? You're going to do the news from uh, Boat Fest as well? I could try. <laughs> but you've seen what their live stream uh, internet's like. It's worse than yours, so I don't know if that'll work too well. Oh, what are we looking at here? So this is one I just stumbled upon. I wasn't expecting this. There's a channel called Montgomery Computers, and this is a promo for an upcoming video they have uh, that they're doing specifically about the Kogel 3. So I've, I've reached out to contact them, haven't heard a response back yet, because uh, I, I mentioned that I was going to play the promo in its entirety on the show here, because this is a promo for their upcoming video, a long-form video. Okay. Um, but I don't really know exactly what all is being covered, so I'll, I'll just play this, and then uh, we'll check out the real video when it comes out later. Okay, that is whatchamacallit. Oh, hey! What's going on? Arkanoid. Oh, man. I'm sitting here playing Arkanoid on my Color Computer 3, and I'm getting ready to do an entire video with my co-host, Dalton Wilson, on the Coco 3. A very cool computer from the 1980s from Tandy Radio Shack that was a very... underpraised computer that deserved a lot more than it got, especially from the Coco 3. But we're going to go into all that in our show. So for now, I'm just going to keep playing Arkanoid until we actually film the uh, episode. 
for the Coco 3, and I hope that you will join us and tune into it. There you go. Camera off. Yep, so I've never heard of this channel before um, until I found it last night. So uh, I will definitely keep an eye out for this long-form video on the Coco 3. It's like, interesting to see what they have to say about it. I've, like I said, reached out in the comments there that you can contact us or even, you know, you know, pop in our chat or even maybe join the show in the future to help promote the video as well. And if he has any questions, feel free to ask any of us type thing. Beauty. So interesting to see what they do. Yeah. Always good to see more Coco coverage. Yeah. So this is a channel we have covered before. He's done a lot of those, what are they called? YouTube shorts. He's done little bits with an MC10, his Coco Pi 400, and his Coco 3, I think it is. Um, and he's done one longer form video that's more than like 20, 30 seconds before. But this is an actual like eight minute long one of setting up the VCC uh, Coco 3 emulator and then setting up EdTasm on it. He doesn't do anything with it yet, but he just wanted to show how to get it set up. Um, he doesn't do it much extravagant on setting up VCC because as he points out, there's lots of videos and you've done some as well, Stevie. And so is Boat and a few others on how to set up VCC itself. And then he shows you how to go to the archive, get the EdTasm cartridge or disc install it kind of mount nice it thing about own. vcc there's not much to actually set up <laughs> you just install it and it works yeah the, the, uh, the only problem with vcc for a total beginner is like knowing how to plug in cartridges or a oh, multi-pack like so you can run multiple the multi-pack to get more than one thing yeah gotcha. like yeah. that kind of thing's a bit more difficult if you if you don't know what you're doing or if you're not familiar with the coco i mean a lot of right. people in the coco didn't have multi-packs so they wouldn't know that either but uh basically it just kind of goes through like tells you where to go in the archive gets it set up and then shows you how to pull down the menus, et cetera, to, to mount the different devices. So I, I'm assuming he's going to be doing a follow-up of actually running EdTasm at some point. So I'll definitely follow that because we have a lot of people that are interested in learning assembly language. And it sounds like he's going to start at the, the beginning with the EdTasm cartridge itself or the disk version. So I will keep an eye out for that. Next up here, we were talking about Randy Kindig earlier in the Floppy Days podcast. And of course, Randy was our guest interview in January or one of them. So this one here is the latest issue of, of Floppy Days, and it's actually covering a guy named uh, Howell Ivy, who helped create the Exidy Sorcerer back in 77, 78. So this predates Coco. And it's just post, you know, the original three home computers of the PET, the Tier City Model 1, and the Apple II. Now, it's it's a fascinating bit of history because he kind of goes through, like he ended up working with Exidy until 86, and then he went and worked for Sega for a decade and a half, and now he's actually doing stuff with school children for making projects to get sent up on the space, uh, into, onto the space station to do experiments, and the kids get to see the results of this. Oh, wow. So it's a really interesting interview, not, not Coco really specifically, but one thing I wanted to point out, this is the very first time that uh, the host, Mr. Kindig, has actually done a video of an interview that he's put up on YouTube. Everything else has always been audio. Now, of course, it's still available as an audio podcast. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I'd like to think he's been kind of inspired because he got to see his own video interview with us. And there's something about being able to see the faces, see the expressions when they're remembering something. Like you can tell the guy's really turned on by something he did back in 78 that you know the interviewer brought up. That's one of the reasons I like doing the video versions of our show, <clears throat> either live streamed or on YouTube or whatever is that you get that personal connection with the people you're interviewing, not just, you know, a disembodied voice coming out. Now, I do realize a lot of people listen to it as a podcast because you're driving and you might be too distracted, but I, I do like the video the video aspect of things. And I know, Steve, you're working on expanding to that new podcasting host and eventually you'll add videos back on later type thing. Yeah, 
And I, I do think that's something we do have to put on. No big rush, because I understand it's a lot of work to get all the stuff done here. But there is something about the video interviews that I really like. So I wanted to point that out. That yeah, Brandon, remind, me, remind me to speak to that when we're done with the news. Okay. Anyway, it's, it's a fascinating history of the Exidy Sorcerer. The fact that this computer was produced in the States and was much more popular selling in Australia and Europe. <laughs> and they, uh, Randy asked him, I'll just mention one little quick story. Uh, he said, yeah, so you guys, it didn't last for too long and it changed hands. Like they ended up selling the design specs to a different company that kept it going for a couple extra years. And they said, well, how, how did it work as far as sales and stuff goes? And he said it was too successful. So when they went in to make the XD Sorcerer, and this is 77, 78, when they're designing all this, they were expecting to sell about four or 500. And they went to a CES show. They had 4,000 orders within two weeks. And they just couldn't keep up because it was just like a two or three man operation. They were hand soldering all these boards. <clears throat> putting them in the cases, testing them and everything else. And they kind of fell so far behind that <clears throat> shipments were delayed for months type thing. It, was, it almost sounded like COVID. Um, and that it was too successful for its own good and they couldn't keep up. So there's such a thing as too much success. I have no idea what that's actually like, but that's what he said. Mm. This one, I know you reacted to this, Stevie, as well as a few others did too. So this is a, a bit of sad news from John Whitworth. Um, of course, he's the guy behind Dragon Plus Electronics, which does a lot of you know Dragon and even Coco related stuff, including the Super Sprite FM Plus board, which is basically the MSX chipset for graphics and, and sound that will plug into a Coco or Dragon. And we've actually seen some of the AGD stuff that Parasurat and Keys Van Oss have been working on that uses those enhancements, which is like 16-color games with multi-voice sound running in the background on a Coco 1 or 2 with these upgrade boards. Now, as he explained in this post here that he put on the Coco group and on the Dragon group, um, the last few months for him has not been very good. He got diagnosed with leukemia and um, he had to go through a, you know, a whole bunch of medical treatments, etc. Now he's doing a bit better, but he doesn't want to push himself. So he's going to still try to make some of these boards and stuff here, but he's not going to be doing the finished product versions. It's going to be kits only. So that's a lot less work for him. Now, if he keeps getting better and his health looks like it's going to stay good, then he's... Who the hell is making all that background noise? You're killing me. Somebody mute yourself. <laughs> <laughs> So at any rate, um, the, the, the fact that he's doing better enough that he's actually going to do the kits, because he was seriously considering shutting down Dragon Plus Electronics completely and just stopping because he was dealing with his own health issues. So the fact that he's doing a, a bit better enough that he's you know back to doing the kits and is contemplating if it keeps going well that he'll actually start selling it fully again is great news. But for people that may have been trying to get a Super Sprite FM Plus or some of the other stuff that he manufactures for the Dragon and wasn't getting responses, et cetera, that's, that's what happened. So uh, thanks for updating us on that, John. I'm glad you're doing better and hope it continues to keep getting yeah. better. Family family first, health first, man. You got to take care of yourself before you can take care of anything else. Yeah. And we've, we've had recently in the Coco community that's happened too. I don't know if that wants to be made public or not. I know we told a bunch of us at the, at the fest here. So I, if he's in chat or something or wants to mention, if it's okay to talk about it, I will, but I won't mention it by name at that point, but that's been happening in the local Coco community in North America as well. Next up, um, this is a pretty cool one. So this is uh, Tim Gilberts. We had him on the Dragon Talk special, um, the massive six-hour show, because, you know, four isn't long enough. And uh, he's the guy that was behind Gilsoft, and they did some cross-platform adventure games and stuff. They did stuff for the Dragon, the Spectrum, and some other machines at the time. So this is his take on the uh, big... Uh, 
computer museum in Cambridge, UK, which we talked about on the show before it happened. And basically they were doing a special at the computer museum of a bunch of people coming in for a weekend, kind of a fest style thing of machines that were celebrating their 40th anniversaries. Cause this includes the spectrum, um, ZX spectrum. It includes the, uh, dragon 32. It includes the Commodore 64 and a whole whack load of other machines. And they had a big, you know, weekend fest there with people hands on coming to take a look at all these machines They had other older machines there too, but they were, that was the main focus. So in this case, Tim Gilbert put a, together this video where he's kind of talking. He goes through a magazine, a couple of magazines actually from that era, from 1982, announcing new computers and all the hardware and software they're looking. He kind of goes page by page. He has some photos and stuff from the actual show itself, um, talking about some of the different computers. This is only part one, so he's actually got more and another another one coming up, possibly up to three episodes. He says. So this one in particular is half an hour, but it's a lot of really cool stuff. If you're just into general retro, this one doesn't really kick off on the dragon much at this point. Though that will be coming in one of the future ones. But just all the stuff that's happening in the UK during 1982 and in Europe, because they had a lot of the same stuff like the C64, et cetera, but they also had a lot of stuff that was unique to there. So it's a fascinating look at the history of, of uh, computers in Europe and the UK. So that's the first video here. And like I said, he's got two more parts coming up where he's going to be going through that as well. And then the uh, actual Center for Computing History itself, which is the organizing group that does that show, actually put up a one and three quarter hour video where they interviewed a bunch of the exhibitors and going through some of the machines from those different time periods. And, you know, sometimes a bit of the history, like here's the original version they brought out a couple years earlier and here's what they brought out in 82 when they refined it. So there's a lot of good history in here. And um, this one does mention the dragon. So I will fast forward to that little chunk here where they're talking to uh, Tim Gilbert's just a sec. All right, Chase. There we go. Darth Vader dragon. Oh, just in time for a commercial. Yeah. And it's a burger, so it's making me hungry. That's doubly bad. Mm -hmm. And it won't let me abort it. Great. Made by Canada. Canadian burger, eh? Jesus, Curtis. What the hell? (laughs) It's almost as bad as listening to people's background noise in this damn show. Yeah. So next we have or night or night. is uh, Tony Jewell, who uh, has in, basically put this whole event together for us. Um, My pleasure. Our favourite volunteer at the museum, <laughs> which I always say is not really. Um, but anyway, Tony, tell uh, okay. us about what you have here. Okay, so to begin with, we have the Black Dragon. Um, I didn't paint this black. Somebody else paint, Somebody else had a very yellowed dragon a few years ago and sprayed it black, and I, I wanted it, so I, I bought it off them. <laughs> and this is this is the, the machine. This is probably the most most upgraded dragon known to man. I'm smelling some impurities here. here. (laughs) This is a Raspberry Pico microcontroller between the processor and the dragon's old graphics chip over here, and it's basically emulating the graphics of the dragon. Now, the dragon famously has shaky, wobbly graphics. If you look here, this is the output from the the dragon normally, Uh and this is the output from 
the Raspberry Pico. Right. So this is outputting oh, VGA nice. into so, yeah, there. Yeah. See them side by side there. Because it's all emulated in software, it only can do stuff that no Dragon has ever been able to do. So to boldly go where no Dragon has gone before. Uh, oh, look at that. We got border colors. Back in the day, I can change. I think Marentes would like this. Yeah. And I can change the fonts. And so now it's uh, it's a, an inspection kind of dragon. <laughs> oh, look at that. And there's the, there's the original yeah, the other display next over to there. It. Wow. And also, That's impressive. What I can also do now Extremely is unpure. in games to make them better. Uh -huh. uh, so, I'm going to load Chucky Egg, which is a good classic. So this is kind of like a Coco VGA for the dragons. Yeah. Similar. Let that load up. Except that it's, it's in addition oh, to the VDG. It's running full. Oh, look at the colors. Oh, he's got a Mega Mini. A Mini MPI. Full of disk images. And again, okay. we can see old Chucky Egg, new Chucky Egg. Wow. Just, uh, takes a couple seconds Black to Black background, down. real red. There we go. And kind of a sky, sky blue color instead. Yeah, not having that green background and having the dual output is really nice too. So the microcontroller here, when it sees a request for green, it sends out black instead. Right, okay. And that, that creates that display there. That's impressive. And this is actually a true two-screen setup, isn't it? Yes. yes. So, you know, you can control one screen separately from I, the other. I can. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, uh, On a Dragon 32, who would have thought? Yeah. Wow. So, th so if this is, I mean, there are other things inside here which I could go into. There's uh, Wi-Fi sitting down there. Oh my God! Uh, Wi-Fi, uh, that is so inferior. This board here it gives me an MSX chipset, so I'm oh man, no, MSX and that's and the most impure chip I've ever uh, seen. Multi-channel sound. Multi-channel, no, no, that's a distortion. <laughs> We've distorted the channels into There's more than one. Dragon left, has to be said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, there is. Oh, this machine is. Alternatively, this would be um, your peak dragon 1984, perhaps. So everything here is period. So we've got yeah, floppy drives. Oh, that's uh, rare. And inside this one, With a, Go -Tech. Got, uh, a Dragon Plus board. So what this does is it gives it an extra 64K, right? And it gives it a 6845 video chip, which um, I think the B. Oh, that's like the 80 column card, right? And again, yep. this is true two screens. So mm -hmm. we have an 80 column text mode running over here, which is the showing me what I'm plotting. And out here on the, the Dragon's original graphic screen, we've got the Mandelbrot that it's drawing. I started this when I got here at 9 a.m. So, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> we need James Diffendaffer to optimize a few things yeah, there. Yeah, it's a proper two screen display. I would have loved this when I was a kid, because I could have done all my programming here and I could have seen the graphics running on that. Yeah, that would have been my dream machine. So, so that board, well, that was made at the time? Yeah, 1984. So right. Dragon Plus board. Okay. So, yeah, it's a period, period thing. Interesting. Wow. Not many were made. Uh, so that's, that's a, that's, that has the right. seal of purity so, approval on it. Yeah. Not many were sold. I mean, 984, 985, I think I was... We need to 
you get a little sticker saying this is puritanically approved. But yeah, yeah, quite powerful as well. Or just a little reject rubber stamp for anything else. Pair of Philips green screen monitors there as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Moving on, so we've got the Sharp NZ ATA. Anyway, I'll let you guys go check out all the other ones. Like I said, there's an hour and three quarters of all kinds of fasting machines. Some we've seen before when we've caught some of the the computer museum stuff and some that I've never seen before. So there's some pretty cool stuff in there. So. All right. It's like when you like, I know Nick Morenti's always talking about how he hates the borders and he hates the green screens. And, you know, there was a time when we were, we had no other choice, but we live in a time now where we've got the choice. So if you don't want the border and you don't want the green background, you can, you know, maybe depurify yourself and, and have a better quality experience. I have to say, in the chat there, I'm severely disappointed with Chris Juris here that he's not willing to share his hamburger with me because he's yeah. making one right now. Um, <laughs> actually, he's making a pizza. That's even worse. I like pizza better than hamburgers. Mm, or That's pizza okay, burger. Curtis. I'm having some chicken chili right now. <gasps> oh, shut up, David. I'm having water, and I just finished that, so I'm screwed. Anyway, that is the news for this week. Okay, why is there only two of us on the screen? I'm confused. Because the two of you are spotlighted. Oh, see, I'm not driving this train right now, so I can take no. Uh... But so you were ta- so yeah. Um, so when it comes to the the podcast version of the show, so if you guys are watching us right now, you know that we're we're live, right? And don't spotlight me. Just go back to the normal panel. Well, I'm working um, on it. Are you working on? It? Okay, yeah, I don't I don't need a spotlight. Um, yeah, so. If you're watching us live, you you already aware that we're we're a live stream show, but there's always been or has been for a long time the podcast replay. And for a long time, that was um both audio and video. And it started off as just audio, and then we had the ability to add video. So um if you are traveling and you listen to podcasts on whatever podcast app you have, you can always listen to the show. Um the the way it was being hosted in order to have audio and video in the same feed. So podcasts work of what's called an RSS feed. And that's basically how people pick you up. Um, because we had mixed media in our feed, there were a lot of um, networks that could not carry us because they could only carry audio. So just about a week ago, I went ahead and I converted our stream back to audio only. And this is like step one in a multi-step plan. But the, the benefit right now of us being audio only is that now there's more feeds that can pick us up that weren't able to pick us up before. So, for example, Amazon. We're now on Amazon Music. So Amazon Music also does podcasts. So and if you have an Alexa speaker, you can actually just say to Alexa, hey, play Coco Talk, um, and it'll find it and play it. Um, so there's more networks that can carry us now, Spotify and this and that and the other. So not that it's going to make us overnight get a, a million downloads, but it just allows us to be distributed um, more. Um, now, now that people don't have to look at us. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a benefit. <laughs> but now that I've made that switch, I am going to move to a new hosting platform that allows us to have multiple shows and multiple RSS feeds um, for a flat monthly fee. So what we were paying before before to have just two two versions of the same show on one feed um, for a little bit more, we can have multiple shows. So I'm going to have two separate feeds. There's going to be the audio podcast as one feed. There'll be the video podcast as another feed um, available separately. And to my knowledge, the only place you can watch a video podcast is on Apple. I don't know of any other um, 
podcasting apps that actually support video podcasts, to my knowledge. I, I just don't know. They might be out there, but I think it's mostly for people who have iPads or iPhones, right? But Or Apple TVs, yeah. Because I've TVs. watched the show, like, for me, the video makes the show, like, as I mentioned before, if you're doing an interview, you get to see facial actions. But also, if you're yeah. demoing a game, talking about it doesn't really tell you anything. Right. So right. when I've been on the road and sometimes watch a show, even live streaming or, you know, after the fact, I have downloaded the the video version of it and then watched it, you know, while I'm sitting in a hotel room or something like that. So I'm probably one of the few that actually does watch the video. Or how often do the videos get watched? I mean, just stats. Well, be- you know? because, uh, because I've already converted it, I don't have the stats anymore. It's hard for me to say, but there were some, there were some that were notable, like the Amigos interview we did had like 300 views, which is about what we'd get on YouTube as well. Um, so some of them had some pretty good stats. So it wasn't like they weren't being used, but this was a step I needed to do to yeah, yeah. kind of go from stereo to mono in order to move us um, in a in a bigger direction. So so the 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 plan is going to be to have two separate feeds: an audio feed, an audio only feed, and a video feed. But then I'm also going to be um, taking chunks of our show as as new things. One of my goals was to always have the interviews available as just interviews. So and we've had and some amazing interviews. Matter of fact, we've had half a dozen interviews we did before we even started Coco Talk, like Rick Adams and um, Dale Lear and the image producers. So there was a number of interviews we did that only live on YouTube. I want to be able to take those as both audio and video. So I'll have, I'll have a whole new podcast feed that will be just interviews. So if you want to hear just the interviews, you can hear just that and not have to listen to a whole six hour episode, right? So there'll be a lot more content coming um, down the road, but it's just going to be time to to to, re, to, re, yeah, to, re, to re-render it and stuff. And it's going to give me a chance to also um, kind of remaster some of the audio because um, I have new tools now that can levelate the volume and make make all the voices the same. Because sometimes, especially in our older podcasts, we didn't have the ability to do that. So, so there's going to be some remastering being done, and then more editing has to be done, um, things like that. So down the road, there'll be a lot more, a lot more specialized content, a lot more ways to get content than just the full episodes. So that's just kind of a teaser. Does does your uh, new tools for fixing audio will that help fix that tinny crappy mic I had the first year or two? Mm, probably not, but it'll <laughs> at least make 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 the volume level of that equal to everyone else on the same call. So because <laughs> I sounded right like a nasally forward. whiny teenager, and now I just sound like a nasally whiny, slightly older person. Yes. So uh, yeah, so more stuff coming down the road. Cool. And the fact that you were putting us on, like, like you said, on Amazon and Spotify and some other places that people can find us, easier, that's, that's a big plus. If they search for us, you know, just because you're there, it doesn't mean that you're going to just show up. You know, people still have to look for you. But if, if Yeah, you, but some people just look like for a category like retro and then right. we'll, we'll, be, we'll be there now. So. Right, right. Yeah. So I actually, when I was listening to the Todd Wallace um, one, I, I, I accidentally started listening to it on Amazon because I have Amazon. That's how I listen to music in my car is I listen to Amazon music, but it also picked up the podcast. So as soon as I saw that I hit play, I thought I was hitting Apple podcast. I was listening to it on Amazon and didn't realize it. But I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool now. Cause uh, it's just one more way to, to, uh, to get it, you know? Yeah. Makes us more discoverable, which is a big key feature. Right. Right. And, and so now you can use any type of smart speaker. You can use an Apple smart speaker an Amazon smart speaker or Google smart speaker, and you can just say play Coco talk and boom, we'll be there. So. Can find us on accident now. even. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. You can accidentally find us. That's just the best way. It's like, <laughs> it's like hitting a couch on your way to Coco fest. <laughs> yeah. You accidentally find us and then you, you purposely shut us off immediately. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. Alexa, block that crap from my speaker. I <laughs> <laughs> right. a question from Tom Eric Gunderson in the chat, too. He says, a very long time ago, you had an interview with the Donkey King author, Chris Latham, correct? Yeah, is his yes. That, I don't remember yeah, what that, episode that was. I don't know off the top of my head. Well, it wasn't an episode. It was just an interview. These were all before Coco Talk. Okay. So that is that is that still lives on my uh, OG Stevie Stroh YouTube channel. And like the Jerry Buckner interview that we did before there was a Coco Talk, that's out there. So there's there's a handful of interviews we did that were B, 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 Pre. C, BC, before Coco Talk, right? So, <laughs> um, uh, and uh, but all those will be curated into, uh, a, and I'll do it in both audio and video format. So they'll be curated into a way where you can get them. But yeah, because I've had more than one YouTube channel, there's content spread between them. Um, but from a podcasting front, they'll, they'll at least be kind of centralized where, you know, I'll, I'll just have all the links on the um, CocoTalk.live website because each one will be a new podcast you'd have to um, kind of subscribe to or whatever the word is, right, uh, on your podcast catcher, right? You'd have to basically follow that new feed in order to get the new episodes. That's cool. I mean, like increasing our reach and increasing where we're discoverable, I think is a huge thing for the show. Right. And then providing some of the specialized content too in its own feed. So if you want to just hear interviews, you can subscribe to the interview only version of the show, right? And things like yeah. that. So, well, when's the special Nitrous Nine only version of the show starting? That's what I really want. Oh, well, I don't know that there's uh, technology is advanced enough to house that much information. So we'll have just, to wait. just hit clear, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you've got a cocoa pie and there's no a pie 400 and there's no clear key. Right, so. <laughs> cool. I don't have anything else, so I'm I'm done. Can you make this a shorter show? Yeah, sounds good. After our four and a half hour one last week. Yeah, I was worried about that too. I'm like, oh my god, did these guys go off the deep end? And you know, but I listened to it. It was all good. <laughs> no, there was just a lot to catch up and we had three weeks of news because of you know the fest and travel and everything else and then we had an interview and then we had a, a whole bunch of game updates i decided that kind of needed to be spotlighted somewhat so yeah no i so that, i do like being able to listen to the show so i am one of the people who does listen to the audio podcast and the replays and i don't spend as much time on the road as I have in the past. So sometimes it takes me a whole week to hear the entire episode, but I do like listening to it. So it is a, it's a nice feature for me to be able to have it. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. You ready for the outro? Press the outro button. I Frank. think so. This concludes another episode of Cobra talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer, MC 10 and dragon systems. For all things, Coco talk, visit us on the web at CocoTalk.com. Live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weaver, Curtis Boyle, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, George Jansen, Grant Leedy, James Diffendapper, Jason Reichert, Jim Brain, Ken Reichert, Ken Waters, 
Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave 6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Eulin, Rob Inman, Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! Yeah, good good pictures in that slide. All, all those pictures were from the most recent Cocoa Fest, and we saw a quick picture of uh, Jesus Eric there with his cocoa pies. Saw Charlie with his cocoa pie. A suggestion, Stevie, because because uh, you actually you remember some of the names and faces a lot better than I do. I'm terrible at remembering names and faces, but we should actually go through maybe on an episode where we don't have much much else going on, <clears throat> and just go through the photos, but kind of identify so that people know to match the names to some of the faces we see in chat, et cetera, here. Because there's quite a few of the people there that you were rattling off. I have no idea who they are. Yeah, Grant B was there. I saw a picture of him standing next to, I think, Mark B or Marco. I don't remember. Yeah, I, and again, I don't remember everybody's names, but there are some. And Daddy Burrito was in there. Jesus Eric was in there. Yeah, so there's um, uh, maybe between a, between all of us collectively, we could get all the names right. I'm really bad at remembering names. Yeah. So. yeah that would be fun to just go through because it would be a nice way yeah. to just kind of remember the fest, too. And, you know, oh, he did this or she did that or whatever. So. Yeah, and there is um, if you're on Discord in the Glenside channel, there uh, you know I I posted a lot of my pictures there. Other people were posting pictures there too, so that might be a way for us to maybe crowdsource some. I know you can't technically tag the pictures like you can on other social media, but at least you can say, uh, oh yeah, that's that's a place to go to to look at to start crowdsourcing people to come up with their list of names. Um, yeah, yeah, Mikey says. I, I, Okay. Mikey's saying the show was so short, he hasn't had time to have lunch yet. So, <laughs> Well, then he has to quit sleeping through the news here. He'll give him extra time for lunch. Yeah. We've got two hours and 40 minutes. That's yeah, a short show. Good show, though. Less is more sometimes. Yeah, plus okay. we don't want to you know, drag it out. Drag it out. Out, out well. in the boat. It was good. So I've I've made an appearance. I've made my contractual obligations. I can now take another six weeks off. I'll see you guys again. Screw you all. Goodbye. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> Is this thing still on? Right. <laughs> uh, 
I think it would be funny now. We start. We should get. We should just make some mock stickers that we can put on computers now to say if they're pure or not. A little, little the purity seal of approval. <laughs> certified yeah, pure. Certified pure. <laughs> certified pure system. Now, if you see all, you see all the pictures of us all eating dinner and enjoying ourselves there at Cocoa Fest. If one person at any time at any of those tables had started talking about how pure they needed things, they'd be like, "Dude, get the hell out of this table here. We're trying to enjoy ourselves here. Take your purity conversation somewhere else. I don't want to hear it." There would have been a food fight. <laughs> oh, dear God. All right, yeah, press the button before we just go uh, off the okay. rails. Say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.